0: good evening folks welcome back to another experiment in uh circular thought and venn diagrams of conversation uh it is poems and whiskey um i'm michael and a quick note before we get started into everything uh content warning uh benji and i do get into some uh trauma specific details uh really heavy around the two hour and 20-ish minute area so uh Take care of yourselves, y'all. All right. Uh, tonight, I've got Benjamin Bach. Benji, tell everybody who the fuck you are.
1: Lovely. Uh, my name is Benjamin. <laughs> my name is Benjamin Bach. I am a 24 year old poet question mark it's still it's I, it's been such a short poetry practice for me that it still feels like i have to qualify it even though i know that's pretty bad uh art mm. practice generally uh also musician <laughs> well. recording artist however you want to say all of those things a general creative
0: person you said you're uh you're new to poetry why why new how did how did you get to poetry god well
1: i did i i've written poems my entire life very sporadically I mean, before 2022, I had written maybe five poems total, Uh, (laughs) and they were mostly, like, very, like, when I didn't have access to, like, my music equipment, it was a way to play with, like, sound and syllable and, like, meter and rhyme without having to, like, sit down and write a song. But that also, I I wasn't really writing in the way that writers write, where it was all kind of meaningless, and it was all hyper-focused on the, like... Sonic quality of it, like musicality of mm. it. So it's basically right, pretty gibberish.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, there's 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 something to be said for pretty gibberish, honestly. Yeah, I mean, Dylan
1: made a <laughs> whole career for a couple decades off of it.
0: <laughs> very, very, true. What started the poetry, like in earnest? Like what tripped it from ah, every once in a while could give a shit to it being a focus of something? I had such a, uh, I was getting really tired of.
1: Songwriting, just because it felt, it felt like I was kind of milking my own negative emotions for profit, and then like mm. packaging them and selling it. it. It felt almost like Machiavellian with myself, or capital <laughs> like like my emotions were just like the factory I worked in, uh, right? And at a certain point, I had taken a long break from writing uh, music and had come back to it, and I just wasn't passionate about the sound anymore, but like. For the first time in, like, a near decade of lyric writing, I was really passionate about, like, these lyrics have to mean exactly what I want them to mean. And I was like, why don't I just forego the sound part and start putting the words down? Uh, Hmm. And so it also came about, like, because of some, like, really gnarly life circumstances. Like, I didn't really have access to record music or write music. And I was very isolated. And it just felt like the only way to get what I needed to out was by a, like, via word.
0: That's interesting. Uh, how, how do you find the the switch from from thinking about music to to thinking about words? Well, H- how do you find they relate or change or oh man. Well, music, <laughs> mu-
1: music <laughs> being a musician, it has this, like societal connotation, right? Like we know it's a performance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We know that, like, this person goes on stage and just to, to some degree, there's, like, An act, or there's some like dissociating thing for it, right?
0: Poetry is
1: the opposite, where like we assume that this is this person's soul laid. Oh, see, but that's
0: always the assumption. That's always the assumption in poetry. Yeah, Um, which is fascinating. Um, I'm I'm not sure why we we attribute it to so so personally to the author uh, anyway sorry go ahead Well, no i think
1: i think it's fascinating <laughs> i mean part of the reason i was hesitant with poetry for so long is because like i think that our culture how we view poetry it, it we view it as a medium so it, it's the way that i kind of view like fine art or like really high visual art where it's it's a culture yeah. that's kind of so we view it as so wrapped up in itself that it's, like, inherently kind of pretentious or, you know...
0: <laughs> last last week, you were talking about the, like, big-box
1: poets, and you tried to have this very polite conversation <laughs>
0: about that. About poets like, Ruby. <laughs> well, see, I... Okay, so I have my own opinions, of course, yep. about uh, the, the big-box style. Um, but I also... I just... There's something about it. There's, there's, I mean, it, it's a very tricky, like, form that, that, that they're attempting. And I think that's great. And I love the, the introduction, um, into a wider understanding. I'm trying very hard again. A wider understanding of poetry. <laughs> 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 there,
1: so, um, I know very little about any of them. I mean, the, oh,
0: the thing is that you're, I, you're, okay. <laughs> Like, I, I know you'll, you'll find out. You'll find out. Um. <laughs> I, I feel like I know it
1: mostly from, like, jokes or memes that my friends send me or, like, yeah, my other yeah. friends kind of, like, dogging on these people. But, like, I haven't, yeah. sat, I haven't sat down and read Milk and Honey front to back. I haven't, like, listened mm. to Rupee Carr in, like, interviews. But I was thinking about this in the car today as I was listening to that podcast. I was like, you know... Maybe Rupi Carr is, like, more brilliant than I think. And, like, maybe how she conceptualizes her own poetry. Like, because I was thinking, like, with a level of, like, I guess, like, what I would consider as somebody prone to judging her as, like, a proper self-conceptualization. Right. Like, with humor in tow or with, like, like right. something. Like, there's a way she could talk about it that would make me think, oh, she is doing the profound thing.
0: Yeah. I, I think it's very... <laughs> I think this is the where poetry would be going. Regardless, I think it fits in very well with how poetry has been developing and continues to develop. You know, back and forth, it it continuously gets stripped down and stripped down, put, and stripped just, down.
1: It feels distilled to the point of like it's worse than ever clear. Like just shooting it is so
0: <laughs> it's too dense, right? And and that density to make that actually <clears throat> for that density to really impact and to ring true is, is where the, see, I don't know if it's craft. I don't know if it's talent. Um, like, I don't know if it's a cultivated thing, which sounds kind of shitty to say, but like, <laughs> you know, some poets can write something that will knock you off your feet and choose, you know, two lines. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. And it's a very difficult thing, that economy. And um, yeah, again, I'm trying to be very, very polite about it. And <laughs> well, no, I mean, I think about this it's, a lot.
1: I, I think about it a lot yeah. of people who's like really snobbish about music. You know, people always try to show me music. <laughs> about, just because I've worked in that <laughs> for so long, I, I feel like I can't like anything in that like I'm so particular uh, yeah. and I hate myself for it cuz I judge other people <laughs> and other mediums for that but with music I'm like no this is my thing I get to be snooty about this
0: but like oh but
1: yes but there's so many artists that I like musically that are just like balls to the wall like emotion is the only thing there's really no talent or craft or like nothing grandiose about it it's just pure emotionality right. but because it resonates with me I think it's profound and brilliant it, right, I right, just right. Happen to not connect with certain big box poets, and I don't think that necessarily nullifies it.
0: Yeah, I agree. As a phenomenon, I think it's very interesting to watch. Yeah, and to see because it's still kind of new th- this it, concept and well, it really got pushed forward.
1: Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Well, no, I was just gonna say it. It seems like cultural, kind of societal interest in poetry is growing. Yes. Like, it seems very yes. hip and in, which freaks me out as somebody who, like, <laughs> is generally, I think, more disconnected. Like, I'm not online a lot. Like, the only social I have is Instagram. I've moved, like, four or five times in the pandemic, so I don't have any, like, shit. Yeah, no, I'm very, like, disconnected generally. And so I'm, I'm kind of shocked when I, like, meet new people. I was like, oh, poetry is, like, the thing now.
0: It, it, it's it's getting a resurgence, and I really think, this leads nicely into a question that I have listed, but I don't always get to, um, about how the pandemic has changed how we look at poetry, and how, how people digest it, too, and, and that's part of the reason why the, these big box poets, um, and even... And even ones who aren't, the ones that we consider, you know, classically wonderful and modern uh, has become more into the public consciousness because it's been the image. It's right there. We were all stuck inside, you know, staring at our (laughs) our our neo fucking fireplaces and consuming as many stories and connections as possible. I think the only thing that could have come out of a lot of the pandemic stuff is, is that surge to create something and for more connection, boil down to as much as we can get to it.
1: And one, it's such an introspective practice, too. Yeah. That, like, there there yeah, really a lot of people tried out poetry. <laughs> for a while.
0: <laughs> the navel gazing uh, ran ran rampant, that's for damn sure.
1: Would you say that you oh. consume more poetry than you write, or that you write more poetry than you consume?
0: Mm. I read way more than I write. Interesting. I abandon way more than I read or write. <laughs>
1: when you say abandon, uh, what do you mean? Uh well, like, it's uh, like stuff that you start working on or stuff that you start
0: reading. Ah, uh, ooh, see I when I very nice question. So, <laughs> I read um, in a funny way now. When I was a kid, it was like I'd burn through a book. There was there was no problem a day two max done done with a book uh, now I have to hop around so I'm reading several different books and different types of ones yeah at once um, so eh? I read what's able what I'm able to think about and focus on like right then yeah um, so I'm reading several different poetry books I picked up that oh um, uh, no nope. I'm gonna look his name up so I'm not gonna fuck it up um,
1: Are you talking about the Unabomber Manifesto? Is that what you're? Is that what you're after?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I'm pulling up. Um, actually, I think it might be the antithesis. Uh, Richard Mirabella. Um, he just his his new book, uh, "Brother and Sister Enter the Forest." It, it just came out, and I've been waiting for it. It hit my library, so mm, support your public library, folks. And um, I hop around from book to book, but I have a lot of ideas about uh, things to write that I don't always get to paper right away or whatnot. And I just hope that somewhere it settles into my subconscious and becomes useful to me later on. That's the trick. That's the
1: trick I tell people. um, Like... Because there'll be times where I just fall out of writing poetry and it'll be like a week or two and I just haven't written anything. And if I just start thinking, hey, I need to be writing poetry. I need to start thinking in more poetic ways. Within a few days, if I leave that thought on the back burner, it'll boil over and then I'm like a week down the line, all of a sudden, oh, concept after
0: concept after concept. Isn't that fucking cool? Isn't that fucking cool? And I've noticed I will have a crisis of... um, Belief in self, in crisis in ability. About um, about a week before something actually comes back up. So like, there's this interesting little dip that happens in in my thought process, and then and then about a week later. Something comes up, well, the yeah. line pops into my head and it's like, all right, well, great. I'm glad you let me know what was happening.
1: Well, it's so, I feel like that's so common for artists to hit this point of like, oh, nope, I'm done <laughs> doing the thing. I've written every song. I've written every poem. I have no more <laughs> left in me. The tap is dry. I might as well pack up and go home and start working at a you know, right, safe way or right. whatever. But that's when
0: it comes and then it happens. It's, it's a very interesting experience. Um, inspiration is a strange Strange Beast and so many people have completely different ideas about it. Oh, but like what you're reading and, and like writing pattern
1: my reading and writing pattern. Um, yeah. It's so funny to think about with poetry. Like, I've never gotten to really talk about my poetry in a meaningful way before. So, it, this is a new skill for me. Um, Welcome. <laughs> there's going to be a lot of me relating it to music, and I want you to know that it's not from, like, no, me trying that's... to be hoity-toity. It's just relating my experience.
0: <laughs> no, that's fantastic. That's I actually, I really want more musicians on on the show. The The relation between poetry and and music is um vital they're completely yeah. linked and i'm really and it, anyway sorry the, go the ahead first tell po- me
1: the first poem that i remember writing was Shut actually up, trying to like boil down the essence of this one song that i heard i wouldn't write poetry today if it wasn't for hearing that song and like oh god i gotta like see oh it's a uh, do you know baths uh, an artist named will wiesenfeld he goes by the, the like artist not Miles. at all super he's like a lovely like super queer songwriter um and he just makes excellent music and there's this song called Hall H A L L and it just oh it's it, it was something that i wanted to put words to and like the the sort of like queer cathedral like vi- visual like visual thing that it put in my head um but as far as reading and writing go i mean with music i generally know what I want a project to sound like, based on like what emotions mm. I'm trying to convey, and then I'll put myself on like a music consumption diet, where like if I want to write in specific ways, like I won't let myself like when I want to write something that's more lyrical, like a long form and not repetitive, like I ax right. electronic music, I ax rap music, and I listen to like really long like classical pieces, or you know if I want to write in more X Y Z ways, I'll put jazz on. With poetry, I'm not a big reader. I mean, I, really? I read a lot of nonfiction, and the nonfiction okay. authors that I love, I love because I find their their like prose style to be really poetic. Or same with like public speakers that I listen to. If somebody has a poetic oratorical style, that draws me in. Um, yeah. Even if they're all conveying the same thing, but like I don't read a lot of poetry, <laughs> so it it feels like. A uniquely raw art form to me, because when I write, I don't right. have many frames of reference the way I do with music. Like, I can't compare my writing to like anybody else's because I just don't read that much poetry.
0: Right, right. I'm actually reading a, uh, um, uh, well, I, I guess you call it a craft book, but um, oh, let me pull it out so that you can see it. All right, here we go. Can you read that? I don't know if it's backwards for you. Recklessness. yeah. The art. Yes. The art of recklessness by Dean Young. It talks about um, writing as this form, like coming back to the primitive over and over again um, and how some again about there's the there's a the point of age where he references like um, children at about like four or five or so write some of the best poetry you'll ever fucking read. Yeah and and then at about six or so that kind of gets lost like there, there's a the societal writerly logical thinking process thing and we're all just trying to get back to that uh initial primitive state oh yeah in creation and um it's just really fucking cool like and not to not to talk about picasso because he was a douche but um i have a poem that really was. was yeah yeah <laughs> I knew too! I knew too. How funny. Um, mine's not very happy. So. Not, mine's not either. <laughs> mine's really bleak. <laughs> Fitting, I same. think. Same! Uh, very same. Uh, but like how he, he, he uh what what the fuck did he say? That uh he had to it took him his his whole life to to learn how to paint like a child. Yeah, no. Or something I, like that. It, it's <laughs> and so, kind of same, a idea, same idea, same
1: idea. But it, it does, that tracks. I mean, th- this brings up an interesting question I have for you. But, like, a yeah. lot of times, so many of your questions that you ask other poets on here is, like, how do you cope with burnout? Or how do you cope with, like, yeah. writer's block? And, like, for me, a big thing, there's two things that I do. One is I have many different types of practices, right? so like
0: yes I
1: try not to get into one particular groove with my poetry I try to have like my poems that are very like observational like I saw this thing happen and I want to like analyze it and then I have my poems that are like really primitive and like dissect language as a concept and are probably completely incomprehensible (laughs) Uh, and then I have really lighthearted stuff and then like really erotic stuff. Uh, and I just try to have like different things like haikus and like structured poetry are really good for that to like, just give you a new set of limitations. But like, honestly, I feel like a lot of my best work and a lot of my best like stylistic pivots when I look at my like sort of like resume or my archive of poems is when fucking crisis hits because when crisis hits yeah. you have to go primitive because you're alone yeah. you have nothing and you're scared and then you're writing in this really young childish like vulnerable voice and it has no it has nowhere else to go than being really conceptually rich and kind of the, the profundity right. thing that would, like we maybe lambast other poets for not trying or not achieving but like <laughs> and, and and you hate to talk about it that way cuz like art should be joyous and like I think that there's a very yes. pitch thing that artists to do where they say like as somebody who's supremely mentally ill and a lot of my friends as a result are neurodivergent and I mean a lot of <laughs> I am also creepy clink <laughs> mm. Uh, right. <laughs> no, but like I need a lot of people who are, and this is such a, a classic tale of like I'm scared to get better, or I'm scared to address this problem. In yes, my life. That's yes, because that's always the thing that they're currently mining to exhaustion i mean a lot of my favorite songwriters like elliot smith i feel like nick cave is probably like this where they just mind their own function um
0: oh have you listened i'm gonna i'm gonna interrupt you and you can get right back to it but have you listened to um his 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 book with no and here's the thing it's been on my
1: reading list forever and then i heard you talk about it on the podcast and i was like fuck i still haven't gotten to that (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay uh misery mining yes well no i mean
1: that's the entire reason i fell out of love with music is because i right the i, I the, the the entire reason i'm in oregon in the first place is i had to move to like flee violence like partner violence holy fuck well dude. no but the thing is that like that happened right and there was this entire right. like stalking and harassment campaign there was like this entire like fear thing And I, when I I moved here, I was 300 miles from anybody I knew before. I was very alone. I was very, like, it was honestly the perfect position for me to be able to cope. And instead of coping, what I did was I sat down and I hoarded recording gear. And I tried so hard to make, like, the most tragic, like, piece of music. (laughs) And it, it just nerfed my ability to, like, emotionally function. I, I try not to ever lean into that too hard myself now, but I do think that like, well, because all art is communication, right? Like, right. The reason we write poems, the reason I write music, the re- the reason anybody does anything is to communicate with an audience. Like, here's the thing. Yes. I, I I think that sometimes if I had like the audience part is weird to me, right? Like, it's dysfunctional yes. to, me to communicate. You know boiling yourself down alone and like really structuredly like figuring out your own like piece of work and then presenting it to an audience instead of just like <laughs> talking to your
0: peers yes yes it is strange it is very strange yes i um have not coped with it <laughs> <laughs> it is shoved under the bed i um I don't think about it. Even in relation to this thing. Like, okay, so I just had, I just put out uh, an episode after, like, a couple of weeks of what the fuck is happening in my life, right? And, um, it's Mandy's show, and she was great. And her other friends that, oh, isn't she? God, I fucking love Mandy. Um, but we, her friends... uh, It's never happened before where people have, like, talked about the show. This is on Twitter, by the way. So, like, people are, like, tag, like, responding and quote tweeting and talking about it. And I'm uh, visible. And it is bizarre.
1: (laughs) No, I mean, it's something I think about a lot because there's that whole meme, right, of, like, don't perceive me. But, like, in my day-to-day life, the second that I hit an emotional snag in my life, I shut down and I isolate for weeks, like... Nobody in my life is privy to the negative parts of my emotions. No. Well, I was going to ask you, like, <laughs> but yes, but yes, yes. Do you have, do you have, like, what are your personal relationships like? Because I, I love asking other, <laughs> I don't know how old you are, but I love asking other adults. Oh, uh,
0: uh, I am, uh, I am nearly 40. Okay. No. Nope. Um, I, so 40. okay. So, yeah. Eh, I'm not dead yet. I woke <laughs> up. We're okay. Um, mm, no, my okay. So that that involves a little bit of a story, a little bit of backstory, because my <laughs> my relationships have changed greatly in the past uh, three years. Everything pandemic specific changed a little bit. Um, a little bit. A little bit. Uh, I kind of well. All right, my entire life blew up. Um, I became a wholly different person um, in a good way. Well I'd say different, but it's really more like closer, more accurate version. Okay. Um, my relationship of like 13 years dissolved for good reason. Um, uh, and so I lost um, outside contacts that were based through that relationship. Um, my kid wasn't in school anymore. Uh, I pulled him out because of pandemic and uh, <clears throat> so I homeschooled now. So that that outside like relationship gone. Um, and so I've had to build everything from the ground up. Um, make entirely new connections and um, start literally all over again with everything. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean as somebody who had to move states out of a complete life tragedy. Like, I understand how that feels. I don't know... Nobody in my life that is a regular player in my life I've known for longer than the two and a half years I've lived in Oregon. And that is a really weird place to be. Not just socially, but, yes. like, artistically. Yes, It is an yes. artistically very strange place, especially as somebody who, like, with a lot of mental illness who doesn't necessarily have the most defined self-concept it's very weird to have i mean just like my poetry no frame
0: of reference right right you're starting completely from scratch and then yes. what do you do you are starting at see and you that brings us back to the concept of the primitive just like you were talking about yeah. before we are starting from nothing from no, I mean, we say nothing, but it's, I mean, we could draw a nice little like Phoenix analogy if we wanted to, yeah. but, or a volcanic one. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's the, it's the death tarot card. It's everything is over and uh, you have to use what's there to build something new. Yeah.
1: Well, I think that's the joy of, I mean, you ask about like why, like why the switch or what was the switch like? Right, right, right. From music to poetry, and, like, the thing that happened was that in in my first year of being in Oregon, because trauma loves to repeat itself, the same situation happened to me again, and I was, like, once again on the wrong end of this, like, really violent relationship. And...
0: The, I'm so sorry, man. That no, blows. No. That blows. That I mean, blows. I under—I understand repeating shitty relationships for unresolved shit. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah,
1: no, it's it's vile, and it, it it's really common. And the thing about Oregon is that there's no mental health resources here. Uh, but the <laughs> the joy of uh, yeah. poetry for me has not been—it's it, not even been so much expression because the thing is that like in my personal life, I don't think anybody reads my poetry like maybe three or four people in my personal life have like reached out to me like hey i read this poem you posted like i have a yeah. few online yeah. friends and stuff that do but like it's very rare that people approach it i think that especially on instagram it's just not the platform for it but i don't use other social media i'm digressing
0: though. instagram it, it, welcome to the show
1: <laughs> i know i've heard you talk, lament instagram a few times on here uh,
0: no but, <laughs> but, well, yeah,
1: yeah, the joy of poetry to me is not so much expression or, or being heard, though I think that's probably the like internal dysfunction that drives me to write. The joy of it for me yeah. And this is an interesting question of how much do you consume your own work? because the joy for me is having an archive of what I felt and like Ooh. a defined narrative of what has happened
0: yeah no i did the same thing that is one of the re- that is one of the places where i started that's why all my shit in the beginning if you go back to my pathetic little scratchings at the beginning of my account at the very bottom um Hold there's on, I'm no title
1: in my notes to go do that after this
0: <laughs> please don't um life uh lord i mean you could you could it's not gonna be all that interesting might be a little sad um <laughs> but that's none of my stuff used to have titles. Now, I'm titles are starting to creep in, but everything was just dated because I needed that point of reference. Yeah, this is what happened, this is what I was feeling, this is what I was going through and thinking about and processing on this date. Yeah, um, and that, I think that's really, I mean, it's where I started, um, but like, <laughs> I think that's a good place to start, well, like, for yourself this is what it is
1: it's joyous and
0: especially yeah
1: like queer people or like Uh people who transition i mean people have to redefine themselves and they don't have any of those points of reference and then as people who are traumatized we have that like feeling of learned helplessness and like we're constantly doubting our own i mean a big thing god right big social dysfunction for me is like i never assume that i'm right like if conflict happens or if something (laughs) happens i just defer that intellectual responsibility to whoever's telling me i fucked up and i'm like oh yeah you must yes because i'm a toddler and everybody else is a full-grown adult (laughs) even
0: when i meet toddlers i'm like that kid knows
1: way more than i do so like right right clearly clearly but like now it's like oh i go back and look at some of those first poems i wrote and it's like you know, in a situation where maybe you're being gaslit out of like
0: <laughs> an
1: abusive situation, you can point to uh-huh. this thing and say, I nobody else read this. This was me doing it for me. That must have been real, yes. at least to me. And that has yes. been really joyous. And and, and therapeutic. Oh. I say joyous just because it, it scratches the itch
0: that But it's <laughs> The self acknowledgement, the you know, that it's as someone who has also been gaslit that feeling of being completely ungrounded yeah. being completely untethered from reality the way it restructures all of your past concepts in this like bizarro domino effect yeah. like backwards in time like
1: it's like a erasure it's
0: important itself. yes 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 Mm. All right, well, I'm gonna drink into that.
1: <laughs> no, I, I yeah, and <laughs> like so much of my therapy, like in my very private, like therapy life. Yeah. I, I like, because I've been in therapy since I was a small child, and I think at first, like, the therapy thing, especially with small children, is like, oh, you know, like, don't get too, it's like emotional regulation. Once I became, yeah, once, yeah yeah once yeah I got, once I got older and like became an adult, it was very clear that I was like a child of abuse, and it stopped being about emotional right. regulation, and it started being about training me to feel angry, because it was a feeling oh. that I had not been allowed oh. to feel. You know, it, I, I, when I yes. inter- when I interpret the feeling of anger, and this has been awful for me in my romantic relationships, where I start I I feel angry that somebody did something often nice. just bad but occasionally like legitimately violent or abusive or like you know cruel in yeah. unspeakable ways um, yeah i feel angry but then i think you know you think back to your programming you think back to your childhood and you think oh wait i know what anger is it's that feeling that means i have to figure out what i did wrong to deserve it and mm-hmm. so, like when i think about my songwriting craft there's a specific song that i have called prison A very on the nose title i suppose but like it was about a situation from my like childhood or early adulthood where i i knew i was supposed to feel angry but i didn't feel angry i i felt this like trauma i mean if anybody with ptsd probably knows this the the vacuum or the vacuum at best at worst pure romanticization of your trauma And so, one night, I was living alone. I just sat down and I wrote this ballad of like. It it starts very romantic, and it starts with this like kind of rosy image of what happened. But some of the language needed to describe what happened very heavily undercuts the romance of the thing, right? Like you're talking about being. I mean, it was it, it. Basically, I was being groomed for sex trafficking but i wasn't
0: right about an right, it right, right,
1: right. because i was like an 18 year right. old, 19 year old kid i didn't know what was going on so i i basically wrote and it. how you
0: how you interpret it to keep yourself safe
1: yeah yeah what songwriting became to me for a long time was an extension of the therapy practice of i need to train myself to feel angry so i'm gonna let myself write and like romanticize it all i want but by the end of this song i have to be angry And that song starts with, like, this really romantic interpretation of, like, the lead-up to the events. And it ends with the line, there's fates worse than yours, there's fates worse than mine. I hope you fucking love prison. (laughs) Which is kind of an insane line. But it, it was a necessary thing, because on recording... I love it. But to record a song, I had to not just sing that line, I had to sing it with conviction in a convincing way right so i had to at at four in the morning in my shitty little studio apartment i felt so bad for my
0: neighbors
1: (laughs) but i just i had to like well up and scream this line until it sounded angry enough and by the time that song was finished and recorded and i had like mixed it and mastered it or whatever i was legitimately angry and not only that it was already burned off and and, oh good and when you talk about like poetry as a as an archive or a, or a narrativization of your experience it, it's been good for me to move from music to to poetry because now I have to use just my words and it, it feels more raw and vulnerable because I don't have I don't have notes to hide behind I don't have this act right. or the aesthetic of genre right like if you're singing like a metal song or whatever people think oh he's trying to affect anger when it's just right white and black words on a page. There's nowhere to run.
0: Oh, that's interesting. So you're using—correct me if I'm wrong, or you know, tell me, to shut up, whatever. But so you're using poetry as a way to like confront your shit head on without any decoration. Well, yeah, and it forces—I mean, yeah, it, it
1: it forces me to be really raw and say what I mean without any color. And especially doing, like, the sort of free-form poetry that I've been doing most of. Right, right, right. Nothing gets adjusted for the sake of sonic quality. Or if it does, it's a very subtle thing. You know, like, the syllables don't matter so much. I can't hide between, why did you say this thing in the lyrics? Oh, because it rhymed. Or, oh, because it sounded. (laughs) Right. Right, right, right. Like, for some reason, I had to write this. And for some, like, weird compulsive thing, I had to share it nonetheless. Like, (laughs) you know, like, it's, Ah. it, it forces me to be, like, raw and vulnerable. And in a way, I think it's a little bit of a supplement for the fact that I don't have many... I mean, like, like I said, I don't know, really know anybody personally that I've known for longer than a couple of years. It, it's a yeah. supplementation for that vulnerability, but also it's a public Instagram profile. It also yeah. forces me to be vulnerable. And there, there have been people even locally who reach out to me and they say, wow, your poems are fucking raw. Let's hang out because like they are. They are really yeah. good. I, well thank you. I I don't know how to
0: take off this. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh I'm terrible. I'm terrible. You know we were talking about like that being that being seen earlier and um my friend I just, I did this one recording and they're very uh, complimentary. And it's great. Um, I'm, I'm, but uh, it makes me deeply uncomfortable. And (laughs) I don't know how. Why does it make you uncomfortable? I don't know how to. (laughs) Because that's never happened before. (laughs) Honestly. Oh my God. Really? Like, um, uh, that's, I don't, I don't have a point of reference. I don't know how to interpret it. I've never. It's not something that's being given to me yeah. generally. And um I was telling my friend Katrina that I just kinda blue screen and shut down because I don't know like Well I was how ask how you cope with it. <laughs> does it
1: feel like this long had like this long held need finally being met or does it
0: feel just like no. pan? <laughs> I I panic. I, I I I flatline. I um if I can't turn it around into a joke <laughs> uh, then I awkwardly um, bounce off it and de- and deflect for something. I talk generally to our about uh, this, this all the time. Is,
1: Yeah, I, th- the This is people just people
0: what I do. notice. Yeah,
1: deflect, deflect, deflect. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And uh, Katrina was like, you know, that's a really annoying trait you have. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and she's she like, I thought you were faking it. And I'm like, what? Just being toy.
1: No, well, that, I mean, honestly, that loops back in with all of the other things we've been talking about, about like not it having does, a it concept, does. the concept, what it means to be gaslit or be the child of abuse. Like, yes. How am I supposed to take honest. Because uh, the thing is that my brain is even, even in just like casually talking about it, it wants to define it as praise, which is inevitably hyperbolic and thus like can be excused and written off. It's not praise. Somebody likes your work; they're just saying they like
0: it. They're just, they're just... <laughs> right, right. But my brain will turn it around, like, oh, they're just they're just saying that. Like, yeah, it's they're either they're, they're being they're being kind. Yeah,
1: they're either buttering me up or they're lying. <laughs> yes yes it's it's either never it's either manipulative or it's just like completely so cheap (laughs) that it's not worth buying buying into at least
0: yes exactly it's um it's a problem and (laughs) and and she was saying like you know i thought you were faking it until i realized that you like you weren't and um i'm like i don't and I felt, and I'm like the whole time I'm like I'm sorry, like I don't know. <laughs>
1: that brings me to another like thought I have about the difference between doing music and doing poetry is because when I was doing music, yeah. I I didn't play live much. In fact, I just started getting booked <laughs> for live gigs in winter of 2020. Ah, uh, yeah, of course you did. Meaning, or yeah, so like meaning that I had to yeah. cancel either for personal health reasons or most of them for the pandemic. I did not get to get a lot of live experience, but I had I was really good at recording music and I was really good at some of the technical aspects of like composition or or sound design. Right. And so when people would compliment my music, they would often compliment those aspects. Which I felt really comfortable taking on is like, oh yeah, I twist knobs good. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not like, oh, this thing you said about like abuse and oh, power yeah. dynamics and relationships, like like none of that was really right. complimented. So I didn't have to like take actual like oh, like I didn't have to actually take pride in my work, just the like really technical, impersonal bit. Yep. The step a robot could do. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. And that's the other yep. way of poetry is now when people complement my work. <laughs> like, the other day, a friend of mine reached out with a specific poem. It caught me very off guard. He was like, hey, this poem really resonates with me because of X, Y, and Z. And, like, there's nothing technical about words. <laughs> like, there's no, like, very right? device I snucked in there. Like, <laughs> oh, right. your use of the semicolon here was really creative and practical. Like, no.
0: <laughs> oh... I believe I've actually heard that conversation. Uh, <laughs> uh, I caught myself on oh.
1: grinder of all places uh, the I'm- other day correcting somebody they said like whilst and then continued it with the, like whilst I am the thing and I corrected them by being like actually the reason you used whilst is so you could not use those extra superfluous words and like yeah. correcting somebody's grammar
0: on Grindr while trying well, to flirt with Well, Did that them get you 16. laid? Did that get you laid though? No. Did it get you laid? <laughs> no Honestly well <laughs> frankly I actually- Really? Really? <laughs> Examining their grammar Did not end up with you getting laid. I am shocked. (laughs) Well done.
1: I'm not like other
0: girls. (laughs) Okay, so on my grinder profile, just for. um, Nobody gets to know my username, but I do reference. (laughs) I do reference uh, the outsiders. Really? And. I do, I do. I'm and a couple of others. Uh there's a, like a my my screen name's actually a, a reference to to a show. And um only one person has gotten the reference for the record. They almost got a blowjob out of it. Um uh, really? but I Yeah, because nobody's gotten it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm bored, <laughs> corny. I, if you're gonna like get my references, no. at least that's half the battle, the you thing know. Is that I
1: often need a sort of like intellectual, emotional lead-in to experience sexual pleasure. So like leading with yeah. something like that is really <laughs> beneficial.
0: Yeah, exactly. And um, <laughs> yeah, I, I reference The Outsiders, which is like some pretty pretty niche queer media for for the age range that's mostly on grindr. And um, yeah, no one's really caught it yet. I'm I'm a little. I, not it, surprised at all
1: it, am i outing myself is too young if i don't know the outside
0: <laughs> oh no no you are for shame okay but no you should watch it um all right You're so so many wrecks. i love this i do i do that a lot um i i'm very vocal about the thing that i enjoy now I um it's a personal it's a personal project also the, it, it's been a whole fucking journey these past like three years like fig- figuring out even what music i like you yeah. would think i would have known by the time i was like in my mid-30s i did not i had to figure it out all over again constantly vacillating constantly changing and that's joyous and uh well so like trauma et cetera, et cetera and you how you mold yourself to fit other people so that they will love you, and you either become useful or you become, uh, <laughs> you're, you you know what I'm talking about. So, not, not I didn't have. No. Was that, well, that so, No. <laughs> not in the least. So, you know, you, you mold yourself to fit yeah. other people so that, you know. You can actually experience love
1: for some, end up with at a least a small portion of your life. That aren't connected to your heart in
0: earnest. Yes. And you don't have it. Oh, so that whole thing that started out was a big portion of me trying to find a sense of self and heritage. I didn't have a foundation. So I decided to make myself a foundation. And so I researched. Um, some family heritage and I researched uh like where we where where my family roughly like immigrated from, et cetera, et cetera. Trying to give myself a sense of anything, a sense of culture, a sense of belonging to something that wasn't just like uh, poverty and trauma. So Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like and uh and finding music and finding a sense of self uh, was an integral part of that process. Um... And these past couple of years have gone lightning fast as far as yeah. that particular development. Once I allowed myself to like something without the triangulation of desire in play, yeah. everything just shifted. shifted, like... Yeah. yeah,
1: I think that, like, it's a great way to develop intimacy with yourself, is, like, to let yourself enjoy yes. it without, without having to, like... Like like the most closed off bit of Joe Hardy's window, like that's where I love this and <laughs> like I'm really intimate with myself right now. That's part of the joy of poetry for me is like I I sometimes feel like I'm, I wrote down in my notes when I answered all of the little interview questions in my docs, I wrote down something
0: akin <laughs> Did to... Did you really? Pissed, oh, pissed, my God. I wanted I'll to be let so your heart? I was so nervous. <laughs> I, I should have warned you. I should have warned you. I gave up a long time ago on, like, following any sort of, like, real format, like interview-style yeah. well, no, format.
1: It, it makes the podcast really enjoyable uh, to listen to because it feels so earnest. Um... I, mm. But, like, one of the things I wrote down is, Thank like, you. something akin to, like, I'm really glad that I'm not a criminal because all of the pieces are there throughout my, like, musical discography, throughout all my poems. Oh. Like, I've laid it all out, and people that are—I don't know if anybody in my personal life is hip enough or, like, even interested enough in music or poetry, <laughs> it's common, let alone me as a person, but, like, I reference my own work a lot— I, have, I do too. I have a lot of ties back to songs I wrote almost a decade ago. Like even like the poem I posted yesterday yes. has a link to a motif, a lyrical motif, and which is tied to a like. Uh, musical motif that is like wrapped up in all of my music and poems, but like
0: you, you should mention that in your posts, man. No, you develop. mention it because that's so fucking cool. No,
1: but like the, the that's joy, so fucking cool. The joy of it is like I don't have a lot of language innately to discuss my experience or to know myself, and you know, without that self concept, right. but you develop it. Like you know, yes. the oath which never defied me. That oath is present in. Like the the reference to that oath is present in so much of my media, I feel like almost like an anthropologist or like a lexicographer, like writing this dictionary of how to describe my experience and not just my experience, but how to describe Benjamin Bach, which if you're traumatized and especially if you're the type of traumatized where you feel alone and you feel that desperation for desire and that desperation for other people to be interested in you, You claim your power and you take that interest in yourself, you know. If nobody else is going to develop language or develop, you know, interest in my history or my past, like, you heal that wound yourself. Look at yourself with that, like, crying lover's eye you try to put on everybody else.
0: Look at you, God! You know how long that took me. You're in your twenty. <laughs> fuck you. Well done, but fuck you. It took a lot of. It took <laughs> so much violence. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm glad that you're laughing at that, because I try to to talk about this in a light, like, full of levity way with people in my life, and they're just like... Well, here's the thing, is, like, I don't know if anybody picks up on this, but even in my most sort of, like, vile and, like, trauma-ridden poems, I try to sneak in a lot of, like, really cutesy wordplay and a lot of, like, (laughs) humor. Just because, like... I I think that pity pity is not necessarily bad and I think that me specifically right. I'm assuming you specifically based on the conversation we've had we probably need to get better at accepting pity and realizing it as like not necessarily like a bad or distancing thing like oh, okay, I deserve Shut to be up. pitied in this situation is <laughs> not always a bad place to be but I don't want that to be the no. thing that defines like I, I think the issue is that like pity is good but you never want it to singularly define you
0: yeah yeah you know. Yeah. There's um I think I posted it but it I might have also taken it down. I do a, I do that a lot. Um but I have one where I'm basically complaining about that. Um what's funny uh that okay so I'm bouncing off my own question and that's cool. So I use music actually a lot in what I write. Really? Um yeah, I I reference music a lot. Um, my, my genre is uh Kind of like a classic rock thing, so you'll see. Okay. <laughs> I'm actually planning like a a, a mixtape of a mixtape of poems based on or uh, connected somehow to some of uh, Led Zeppelin songs Get that out. have just Get like. <laughs> <laughs> it's I adore be a Zeppelin. Oh my god! <laughs> Do
1: you really? Yeah. Ow. Okay. One of my Fuck first yeah. musical loves, like one of the main reasons I
0: still play guitar to this day, with a young love of mine. Wow. I, okay. I'm going to show you the jacket I made. And I'm so sorry, <laughs> listeners, that you don't get to experience this. But um, maybe I'll post a pic of it. But I'm going to show you the jacket I made. Hold on. I'm so excited. <laughs> so Led Zeppelin is instrumental to my uh, discovery of... of Self and preference and taste and 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 all and all the things within these past couple of years and oh I fucking adore it so I have this whole set list of um of recommendations and it's gonna come I'm gonna I've got it all planned out it's gonna be us like in a um, cassette tape form and I've already got the Spotify track list set up so I can share it like this is the mixtape and the poems that I'm connecting with the mixtape so but here is. I don't know if he's going to show up. Oh my god, back. it's like a battle vest, yes! <laughs> I love this. It's That's got... then The, the David yeah. and then the wings, and then Icarus! Oh my god. And the front... See, the shitty thing
1: about this is that now you have to make an exact replica so that I can buy it
0: off of you. <laughs> okay, so so that, that fucking vest might as well be a goddamn spell for everything that went into it. So much blood. <laughs> so many numb fingers. I have a poem about it, actually. Um it starts with like, you know, how does the grace get in needle pull by needle pull? Oh, and um so rich. it was part of oh thank you. Uh it, it was part of it. Like it's it's uh, an example of uh, uh itself. It was that I made the jacket in this whole state of shit. But yeah, Led Zeppelin is a huge, huge fucking influence <laughs> on my funny. life. It's my favorite band. My favorite band. Um my but you'll also see a lot of Bob Seeger Pop I'm, up. I'm unfamiliar with um. Yeah. All right.
1: Okay, Damn. Here's the thing. This goes for.
0: Okay. So you love Len
1: Zeppelin, <laughs> but you haven't heard of Bob Seger. Well, no. I mean, my thing with cons- here's the thing about me and consuming okay. any media. I'm bad at it. <laughs> I'm bad. At, I'm bad at reading fiction. I'm bad at reading poetry. I'm bad at consuming media. I just like. No. I pick up on what I pick up on. I fall in love with. <laughs> but media. you know what?
0: I do the same thing i do the same thing i do the same thing people can wreck me something all day long and you know what i'm either going to get to it or i'm not yeah (laughs) i follow uh i found it best now now to follow follow the paths of desire oh and just let that exist yeah yeah
1: yeah i it's nice to meet somebody else who references music a lot in their Poems, because it's a thing that I've started doing a lot recently, and I feel super yeah. good about it. Yeah.
0: Oh, then you should also read uh, the Ecstasy of Influence. Oh my god. Now, like, just put them on your stuff. Like, like, eventually you'll get to it. It's cool, but uh, you'll fi- you'll get to it when you need to. I'm actually a really big believer in things find you when you're ready for them. Oh, okay, So
1: no, I, well, I think about the concept <laughs> a lot of like. There's that term, like, pastiche, right? Where, like, Mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. often used as a critical thing of, like, oh, like, that album sucked or that poem sucked because it's obviously just, like, Zeppelin pastiche. Greta Van Fleet is the main example of that. In my own life, and especially musically, and even in poems now, I have a poem that very obviously bites at least one device from a Richard Seiken poem. Good! I think that, like... Had I not followed that, like, specific influence that worn it so boldly on the sleeve, that poem would not be as good. Like, it's the joy yes. of the, like, intermingling of those, like, my influence and my creativity yes. that, like, yes. make good art.
0: Yes. I'm going to paraphrase badly, but it's in the book, Recklessness. You bring this up perfectly. It also brings up that copy from the best, copy from the best. The mistakes you make are your style copy your heroes and the mistakes you make are you that's what makes you so keep copying and keep copying badly
1: i think about this all the time and this gets back to the the it's not really bad
0: though i'm like you know
1: but that gets back to the question i was going to ask you before and i'm not even going to ask it to you now because i have something to say (laughs) first but like how often do you consume your own work because i feel like i yeah i hear musicians talk all the time of like oh once i write and record an album and it's like mastered and released I don't go back to it ever. I think those people are either fucking crazy or they're lying. Just today, I thought that I had lost a piece of music just to the internet and, like, it was deleted and I thought I lost it. I found it. I found the only remaining copy of this song that I wrote, like, maybe three or four years ago. And I was overjoyed and listening. You should share it with me so I can put it in the notes. Oh, God. Oh, God. I I don't know if it's something I want to stay public. There's a reason it was hard to find. (laughs) I, well, I've been going back through a lot of my old music and a lot of my old poetry and like that exact thing has came up in my mind a lot where I'm like, there's the initial part of my brain that's very logistical and very analytical and very snobbish again of like, oh, I should have done this better. or I should have like tuned this, this. But once I get past that, once I let that inner cop say it's peace, I, I, what I believe is the truer part of myself has such an appreciation right. for those right. mistakes because that's my style. Think of it like handwriting, right? Yes. If we all wrote yes. in perfect script, we'd be fucked. Because <laughs> like, yes. there would be no like delineation of handwriting. And my handwriting is like a chicken scratch scrawl. It's garbage. It's a frantic scrawl. But I think that it imbues a lot of my personality and especially the parts that I can't control. I think about that with scratch, yes, Because I don't get the opportunity to speak to people a lot just because of how like kind of isolated of a life I live. I sometimes... Dude, if I listen to too many podcasts, I feel like I adopt their accent. (laughs) And then I start speaking, like, my favorite
0: podcast. Yes, I do that, too. Oh, so I picked up this really annoying habit from uh, Morbid. Okay, what's Morbid? uh, It's kind of true crime, kind of culture. Um, I really, I really enjoy the hosts. I actually want to uh, invite uh, invite them on at some point. Be oh, cool, be awesome. but um, they they say one hundred. They they're very much part of the zeitgeist in general. So they're all they're on TikTok, and they're on the things, the, the internet, cooler. and they're 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 out there. They are, <laughs> and um, but they say a hundred percent frequently. And I find it just, it's worked its way into my dialogue. And especially when I'm kind of deep into my cups, I keep saying it. And when I'm going back and editing, if you're not hearing me say 100% way too many growth times later on in this show, it's because I've heard it while over and edited them out because I am so deeply embarrassed by it.
1: Oh my God.
0: Uh. No, but I love that. Anyway, yes, I do the same thing. (laughs) Now, I know you don't read, like, a whole lot of poetry, which is
1: can't. I don't think that's...
0: (laughs) 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 Well, go to your local library. I'm sure they can help you. Um, (laughs) But um, do you listen to any, like, writing or poetry podcasts or anything like that?
1: Uh, Probably the the closest thing I listen to is On Being with Krista Tippett.
0: Ooh, I actually, okay, so I'm a liar, and I don't actually listen to a whole lot of poetry podcasts. I listen to a couple. I've made it through some of one. I've started another because they have, like, a shorter format, and um, my day is structured very oddly. It, It factors into, like, how my poetry actually ever gets written, ever, because it's always in fits and starts. But, uh, what are you, are you eating? yeah (laughs) man i should have made popcorn all right so but like i'm uh i'm very i've got a long day generally and so uh everything kind of comes in like i completely lost my train of thought because i saw you were eating damn it benji all
1: right so michael's a dirty liar That's where we are.
0: Yes, I am. I am a dirty, dirty liar. So I actually don't listen to a whole lot of poetry podcasts. I listen to a couple. Uh, Odin Psyche, and I just recently started Breaking Form. Their their shows are done in segments, so it's really easy for me to fit like a thirty minute segment yeah. into my my morning routine, um, and um, so I don't actually listen to a whole lot of other poetry podcasts. If I listen to them, uh, it's uh, important, but I haven't gotten to On Being and uh, a couple of others, yeah. But it's on my... Can I... It's on my list to make space for. Can
1: I recommend you two specific episodes? Yes. Uh, yes,
0: you can. There's th- the Always one, give me Rex.
1: There's one that I thought of because uh, when I anticipated answering your question about writer's block, uh, the episode... Uh, with I believe her name is Marie Howe yes uh, if you know her as a poet she's a darling poet um, she talks about teaching poetry uh, with Krista on that episode that they did together and they're just long interviews I recommend watching the unedited ones if you have the time okay but it's just like a three right. hour unedited conversation between two people that are darling uh, so, love it. so intense and so deep um, it I sounds mean, right at not, not deep in a metaphorical sense but deep as in like they dig in as far as they can to the thing um she she talks about like a practice she does with her poetry students of or her writing students of like I want you to write about what is in front of you without using any metaphors. And like mm. that's really hard to do. Not it is like it's hard to do both in the like we talk about like deflecting as traumatized people. Like it's hard to just ground right. yourself in your reality and like say like there's three beer bottles on my desk right now. And then like the tattered labels and like find language for that specific thing. But it's also hard not to use accidental metaphors. Yes. And so with me, actually me and my ex partner, we were both really into this podcast before we got to know each other. And like when we started dating, we were both writing a lot of poetry and sharing a lot of poetry with each other because we didn't know a lot of other poets uh, and right. so we actually developed the practice ourselves of, like, let's start writing and then kind of, like, comparing for notes poems that, like, use no metaphors. Uh, and that was a really good practice to have. I can read one if you if you want one. Yeah, always. <laughs> whatever you want to read, whatever you want to share. Yes. Um, we're open. Yes. So I wrote one. Uh, I don't think I have that one around anymore. Um, oh. But I have another one that I did from that same, like, set of poems. Um, but, like, one of the things I said was, like, I know that I cheated because I used a a metaphor. Like, I, I was, like, I, this is, like, kind of metaphorical, kind of, like, intellectual language or whatever. It's, it's kind of, like, flowery language. Right. It's not right, right, right. descriptive. And one of the most healing sentences another human being ever said to me was, your emotional experience is 100% real. Like, that is reality. Like, your your emotions are lived experience. That is real, 100% reality. And that was cool yeah. to qualify. One of the poems I wrote <laughs> from... Uh, I was actually on a hike when I did it, and I just wanted to, like, capture the scene. Um, it's called Sucralose. Sprawled on the grass at a long day's end, the suns burn a pleasant ache, I feel silly cracking a cold, industrially forged can of orange soda while in such warm organics. Its, it's taste is just before unpleasantly sweet. Sillier still, <laughs> I begin to pluck blades of grass, chew out their flavor, and remove them, as if it will teach me some sort of lesson. Ooh. It's really hard, though, to like write about what you're doing and like just writing about like chewing a blade of gla- grass and how you feel about chewing a blade of grass. It's hard to just sit there and not not it like is. try to draw connections to other things because that's what poets do. We connect things to other things.
0: <laughs> yeah, I. It's uh... really good. See, I have a very hard time not making. Uh... So, Katrina called me out. <laughs> 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 okay, so. Someone had mentioned that uh, I'd read something and they'd mentioned that it was masculine. Yeah. And I was like, interesting, because I hadn't thought about it in that way. And that how, how perceiving of gender through yeah. poetry and how do you perceive... how? And I'd also mentioned to Katrina that I thought her poems were feminine. And then to contrast it with Co saying that the one that I'd read had masculine tones or whatever he'd said very nicely that i'm forgetting but how gender how we genderize that okay. and so i i had asked her where do you see the gender in this like what is it because i'm not mentioning anything specifically genderized yeah. right not not in a way that it's commonly consumed right yeah. I, I mentioned nothing about gender nothing specifically, and, specific, yeah right and she'd said that like some of the phrasing and that i use of course like the metaphors and that men have a hard time uh like communicating directly so because i use the (laughs) metaphor yeah and i'm like all right i i can see that i i don't know i don't know i have no like I'm not agreeing. I'm not disagreeing. I'm now, I like, pulled away from it and started to think like, oh, how, what is it that we're prescribing to people? How are we perceiving gender through poetry? What And how is that coloring how we're reading it?
1: It's a really fascinating lens to look at the world through. I th- One experience that I took on with my reading earlier this year that i had to stop i had to nip it in the bud is i, st- I started
0: <laughs> oh, thank reading. you for using that correctly yeah
1: i i started reading
0: <laughs> what, <nip it> in <laughs> how the do butt? people use it like wrong? nip it in the butt in like the butt. Bite somebody's not ass? bud i ge- well th- they're not looking at it from like a plant standpoint they just nip it in the butt like
1: <laughs> they're looking at it from, like, <laughs> from like, a Linkus standpoint uh. <laughs> Well, yes so to talk about gender and it being a fascinating, uh, path, uh i have a, a few life experience uh, my entire life experience is the deconstruction of gender i feel like but like something i specifically <laughs> took on uh fair same. earlier this year in reading was i started reading andrea dworkin's book intercourse if you're familiar she's a feminist only tangentially writer. she's a feminist writer she's lambasted publicly mostly by right-wing cretins for the uh posit that she allegedly makes that is quote like all sex is violence or all penetrative sex is violence uh and that is a that is a uh A mischaracterization it is it is wrong that's not exactly what she says she's actually saying isn't that much better than that (laughs) um and so i started reading her book to take notes on it and like what do i agree with and what do i not agree with and i also started reading all of the media that she dissects in that book to see if like what critiques do i have of this media like mostly like very masculine media that like implies things about, like, gender power dynamics, whatever. Um, right. I had to stop really early into that project. Uh, not because I disagree with Dworkin. I wanted to disagree with Dworkin. I wanted to be the kind of person who said victims aren't resigned to this realm of, like, vindictive rage and petulance and, like, mm-hmm. reinflicting the victim narrative. Uh, but, like, right. I didn't have a lot of direct arguments with anything she was saying. Even though I didn't uh-huh. think it's a good worldview to take on, uh, right? It actually brings interesting something a partner of mine said to me. Because, um, like, I'm queer. I'm very queer myself, and all of my partners are queer. And like, I also have obsessive it's a compulsive- parade. I also have an obsessive compulsive disorder. So I have this kind of inherent need to classify and qualify and quantify things. And I once had a. <laughs> A partner say to me as i was like i was talking about basically processing aloud trying to understand some sort of perceived right, difference right. between afab and amab sexuality and he stopped me and he said i probably agree with you but i also think that some things shouldn't be clinicalized or shouldn't be like analyzed to that degree and i agreed with him <laughs> So when I think about like using gender and that get, that's what brings me to Dworkin, is though I necessarily probably agree with everything Dworkin says in that book, or at least to some extent do, I don't want to clinicalize it that hard. Because if I clinicalize my own gender or my or my own well my gender narrative or my victim narrative that hard, it doesn't right. bring me to a better place emotionally. I do I feel like I recently wrote a poem about that exact concept. Oh yeah, the, the poem I wrote about yeah. Bob Dylan. It ends with that yeah. thing of like, I'd rather praise the songbook than the narrative ontology of my rape. Yeah, as much as I can get lost in those weeds, like those things don't need to be analyzed or clinicalized that hard, or at least right. it's not—it's not a healthy way to cope with it.
0: I, I am ambivalent uh, in 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 the way of I agree, but I also see the importance in. The examination of it.
1: Well, examining the moral gray of it is joyous and excellent, but I think not coming to any firm conclusions is also probably a good idea.
0: Mm. Yes. To allow, I think... Or changed to, yeah. to to say that this is the only thing that could exist or is the only way it could be interpreted is is is, is limiting and it always will well,
1: be when we just when like talking about the society and how people in a society yes. view gender i mean i feel like that's the Lord. main cultural conflict in queer circles now is we have we are living in a cishet society with the imposition of gender yet None of us as queer people really buy into that narrative, but we still have to live with its consequences. Right, and so there's this weird thing of like, and it's mask.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We
1: shouldn't analyze yeah. it, but we have to analyze it. And like, there's this big conflict
0: in order to in order to con- <laughs> in order to continue to survive within it, yep. we have to tear it apart. Yep. Yes, because it's all performance. Yeah, Like, that's a tricky thing to to navigate overall. Mm. What?
1: What specifically?
0: You already don't have a firm sense of self. Yeah. Not not, not you specifically, the general you. Um, the poetic you, if you would. Um, There's <laughs> so no you. You don't me. already have. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, no, I give what you Yeah, Yeah. Every, yes, yes. So, like, you already don't have a firm sense of self from, based on all the, you know, trauma bullshit. And then you go out and you figure out everything that everybody else is doing is also... Completely performance, but you have to do the performance in order to continue to do anything. Maybe what? that's just the autism coming being, out. <laughs> being forced to perform, yeah, being forced to perform. Do you ever feel constantly into your
1: poetry practice?
0: Not, you know what I? Way. Okay, you know what I was gonna say, no, but then, but I'm lying once again. Um, well,
1: you're a public poet. You're sometimes also sometimes interviewer. There's a level of this I am right now, which is performance.
0: Yes, always. There is a performance to this, of course there is, um, and I I confront that. This that's also part of what this practice is. Every time I do a show, every time I talk to somebody new, there is, and then I have to review it. I am constantly observing myself in different forms. Yeah, bizarre, 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 uh, fun but bizarre, and. I'm constantly reevaluating and being forced to confront several different selves. Uh, do I keep this? Do I don't keep this? Like, is this too revealing? Is being, but communication was the whole part of this, the, the basis of the, the, the thesis of, of this project. This audience, yeah. Yes. Yes. And um, pretty much it, it boils down to just like keeping out my super specific life details but like yeah. you know that's just for safety <laughs> oh of course yeah. at the end of the day well trust but, me um, who have been through as yeah. much you know <laughs> domestic stuff as i have i get that
1: conversing that way has been good for me and this is also how i feel about my poetry practice broadly is it's a practice in like radical yes unremitting like full-on here's my soul laid bare you know radical acceptance. Well, just like, Whoa, uh, yeah, this is a theme. have you read a uh, Pema Shadron's? Uh, oh, what's that fucking book called?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Why <laughs> I have not read that one, Oh, it's It is on the mile long list, but I do, I do she love her. I about, do love her. Like,
1: when something makes you uncomfortable, that's a sign. And it gets at this like, yes. old, this is like a Ram Dass or like Neam Curly Baba thing of like.
0: Ram, you know Ram yeah. Dass? No, but it's nobody like, knows Ram Dass. Yeah. Nobody knows Ram Dass who is older, who is younger than like oh, my man. mother.
1: I live in like, Western Oregon. I can't, I only hear Ram Oh, that's people true. You're Ram in Doss. Oregon. I live in the hippie <laughs> capital of the fucking world. Uh, which is That's hard. True. If somebody I'm in raised, Texas.
0: I'm in Texas. Well, so yeah. I was raised yeah. in a
1: really I know conservative nobody. area by punk rock, like communists. So moving to a hippie oh, capital shit. has been really culturally like weird. Uh, but no, there's that thing. I think it's a Ram Dass thing. It's not. It's one of his uh, students, like me and Koli Baba, but it's like your anxiety, like that, like, I actually have a poem that references this concept too, but like your your heart like rapping on your sternum, right? you think that's anxiety but that's like your heart knocking on the door to success as trite as that is like that's the concept of like what you read as anxiety is the thing you should lean into because that actually means you're getting yes. at the heart of the thing and so i yes. try to be that way with vulnerability oh, too yes. where it's like even if i did say something a little too revealing even if this poem is a little too raw a little too fully representative of my own heart and my own experience I'd rather that be laid bare. Actually, somebody in my personal life recently, and it's somebody who hurt me in the past. Like, it's somebody I have a pretty negative relationship with on the whole. Uh, we reconnected, and he 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 sat me down, and he said, hey, I wanted to thank you because you've really inspired me to, um, like, do a lot of introspective work. And he actually started going to therapy oh, after our conflicts. And, like, XYZ. I mean, it's the best thing somebody that I, like, have to by necessity of the events like classify as an abuser but like it's the most healing way a person like that could go and he sat me down and he's like hey i just wanted to thank you like and this is after we've talked about all of the like requisite apologies he just said hey man you've really inspired me to do better and the thing he noted was not like that i told him what he did wrong or anything like that it was like you're really vulnerable as a person and you're really honest almost compulsively honest uh, and he used the term "sunlight is the best disinfectant," and he said that n- whether I know it or not, that's how I live my life. And it fucking blew my head open, dude. Because like I don't—that's fucking
0: that gorgeous. Yeah,
1: but so now now that- I try to specifically lean into it of like I as vulnerable as I can, whenever, whatever the cost. I'd rather be vulnerable than closed. Like that's part of the deal. It's like that Nick Cave letter about grief. That's part of the deal. I'm going to make that deal every time. I'm not going to stop signing on for more grief if it means that I have to nerf my capacity for vulnerability or love.
0: And that makes me think of, and I'm going to say this badly, but that's, you know, it's a theme of the show. Uh, Paraphrased, I could look it up, but I'm not going to. Well, whiskey is
1: half of it. So,
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, but that's where the cracks are. Yeah, and yeah. It, it's a paraphrase like Rumi quote, but um, you know where the cracks are, and Leonard Cohen, uh, where the cracks are is where where light gets in. Yeah, yeah, and um, that actually took me a very very long time uh, to to understand at all. Like on a on a basic level, I'd say I understood it uh, intellectual level. I understood it. But viscerally. <laughs> but five-ish. But in viscerally yeah. in action, in action, in practice. I'm one of those who intellectualizes a
1: lot. <laughs> to a fault almost, yeah. As a negative yes. building skill, yeah, I get that.
0: Uh, oh yeah, oh man. I am the king of maladaptive daydreamers, man. I uh, I intellectualize the fuck out of things. And to just let something be as a practice is hugely difficult and incredibly rewarding. And and, and oh, what's funny is, I'm not doing this on purpose, but there's like a running theme of a lot of the people that I've had um, on the show and uh, interacted with in this. This sounds like I'm such a douche, but in this phase of my life, um, that.
1: I unironically refer to phases of my life as seasons. I've given up on pretending oh. to ironically disconnect from that. I'm trite, <laughs> I'm sentimental, I love I'm, it. I'm heart-forward, and I never I never cower from it anymore.
0: Fuck yeah, it's good for you. I I, I've called it the fuck it.
1: It's the, the fuck, fuck it, it philosophy. No, the fuck it, fuck it. I talk yes. about the fuck it yes. all the time, especially in <laughs> yes. art, where it's like, you can worry about this thing, eventually you just have to say fuck it and do what your heart wants.
0: Yes. Um... On like a micro-level, micro-personal level, micro personal level um, I could apply that to my uh, collages. Yeah. No one gives a shit, and that's totally okay. I'm not saying that as like, oh, no, cute. It's okay. It's okay. I'm like, I'm not worried about it. I, I love making them, so I'm just going to... Keep on trucking. I I have a really good time with them.
1: That's the joy of moving to poetry from music for me is because with music, there were people who were like waiting for me to put out new music. There were people who were going to engage with it no matter what I did. I had like on a very small scale, but still in audio. With poetry, to this day, it's been about a year or two that I've been writing poetry consistently. I still just get to assume that nobody reads it. And thus, it's this thing where it's like, oh fuck it, man. Nobody's reading this, anyways. I get to do it purely. for I, me.
0: Yes, yes. I, I, I looked. Uh, this is not to like get into like follower bullshit, but ju- just, just as a an example of the dichotomy of it. So I pretty well assume because I don't get like a lot of traction or whatever yeah. that you know pretty well no one's really looking at it. They like it, they move on. That's cool. I'm not worried about it. But my last concept of how many followers I had is not the amount of followers I have now, which is larger. And I legitimately don't know when that happened. Yeah. And I, I, for a second panicked because <laughs> it makes people <you> <laughs> shut the fuck, the whole thing fuck down, are you it? people? Yes, it really <laughs> does. I'm like, Oh, and I legitimately thought, should I, should I make this private now? Yeah. And well, especially, uh,
1: if- if your writing you're vulnerable, or if your writing is personal, you know? It, it, yes. you d- it, It's so... And I, and I realize this more and more the older I get, right? Because I feel like, I, I, especially even for my age, I feel very young for my age. Because all of my peers... Don't
0: we all? Well, a lot of my peers have a very and different... And that's place. trauma, man. Well, man,
1: here's the thing, is even in other traumatized individuals my age, it seems like a lot of people cope with it by shutting down and going, like, insulating. Yes. And I've yes. never done that. Yes. I've never done that historically. These days, I do it more and more. With every conflict, with every passing year, I, I, I shut down and isolate more and more and more. But I try very hard to boundary against that, and I and, and keep hold on to that radical vulnerability. But like, I don't know. I kind of lost the plot of what I was thinking of. But like, That's okay. no, like the the idea. Welcome of like, to the show. Oh, well, no, but like the idea of like, I have too many followers, you know, I have to shut this down. Yeah. I've done that with my music. My right. music used to be public on Spotify and streaming services. Now it singularly exists on Bandcamp because I, oh, really? I, a couple years ago, I just had an issue of like, oh, it's too vulnerable. It's too out there. If I go on a first date yeah. and somebody Googles my first and last name, I don't necessarily want them to be able to look at a decade's
0: worth of music. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. I did not know. <laughs> oh, Oh, hey, I you have unlocked are- a new fear. You have unlocked a new fear for me. I mean, that's why I wrote Wow, down, I'm glad I'm not a criminal
1: because holy shit. Like the private investigators work for my legacy is cut out for them. When I die, if I die and I become a true crime podcast, that's the best case scenario because that person has endless content. If John Ronson needs to do, like, an introspective about my, like, life and relationship to public shaming, it's all there.
0: <laughs> it's all there. Oh. God, that's a horrifying concept. But I don't want to be Googled.
1: No, here's the thing, though, Michael. Mm. Is it horrifying? It is horrifying. <laughs> like, objectively, in your internal experience of the emotion, it is horrifying. <laughs> I know it well. But, but... What happens if you go on a first date and somebody Googles you and they see all your poems, or in my case, they hear all my music and they really like it and they really connect to it? And they get to come to you on
0: the second date and say, (laughs) That's that's... not the okay. See, all right. I, it's a wonderful and legitimate question, but I have actually, I, I can't. Any answer I come up with is going to be purely hypothetical. I could say that it's awesome. I could say that it's terrifying in concept, and either it's it's Schrodinger's fucking you know observation. I don't know because I will actually I do not foresee myself actually dating dating. My grinder is not for dating. Um. (laughs) Well, the thing is, it's not not a date. That's being generous. Well, the thing is that Um, you already have. A family, like you have children, so
1: I can't yeah. imagine the idea of bringing another person in in a reverent, serious mm. way into that. I wouldn't want to do that if I wasn't.
0: It's I. I have decided. Uh, you know. You know what? Maybe if things change uh, later on, but I honestly don't see myself getting into another like long-term romantic anything. It, is that a conscious decision
1: that you're making, or is that a prediction?
0: Ah, uh, yes. It is I, a self-fulfilling prophecy. I
1: am prone to calling you a coward for shutting your mind off.
0: Oh, you are not wrong. You are not wrong. See, I'm self-aware. I understand. I understand that it is a it is a cowardly place to be. Pessimism
1: but is the worst drug, and you're speaking to somebody who's done is. most drugs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Pessimism is the
1: one I won't touch again.
0: What it ends up boiling down to is that um, if I feel like I'm not ready, then I'm probably not ready. Do you have honestly. romantic desire? Of course. I, yeah, I say, of course I do. Actually, that, <laughs> that was, was a whole new idiot. thing to fucking lose. Yeah. Whoa. But like, I do now. I do now. That's a whole. Jesus. And there's a. Yes. Oh, Lord. Do you write about it? Um. I do most of my uh, most of my poetry is sad gay I feel longing. Bad that I haven't um dug
1: and dug it through too much of your poetry before. Oh God, no, don't please
0: around. don't. Okay, so
1: this brings please don't this brings me to my other questions. Uh, there was one that I've been meaning to ask you for the last half hour or whatever, and then another one that just popped up. Uh, the one that just popped up is how often do you discuss your poetry or your personal craft in your personal life? And two. <sighs> Uh, this is one of the interview questions that I answered and have lots to say about. But uh, do you participate in your local poetry scene? Oh
0: mm. uh, God, I'm such a twat. All right, so <laughs> I, know, I actually came You're up so with those nice fucking questions. You're so nice to you. Uh, I love Yeah, I, I
1: am. That's the entire reason I really? followed this podcast is because I was like, oh, oh, I this person's this person's doing a podcast. I should see if I like it. And I went to the first post and it was all those questions. I was like, oh, these are really good questions.
0: <laughs> You are so kind. Uh, okay, so let me see I'm if kind, I can actually put things in order. <laughs> that, shut up. So, um, all right. Uh, I actually don't talk about uh, what I do. Uh, nice. Yeah, fuck yeah. you. Um, so, <laughs> so I don't actually talk about it on a daily basis. Not not in that way. Um, there are a couple of friends that I will trade you know, think well, one one friend is a new friend, and I'm very slowly like making a, a new friend. It's it's a whole new process. I'm constantly examining whether or not I'm being a good friend. Yeah. Um. But uh, I'm I'm talking about writing with her, <laughs> Katrina. We trade back and forth. Um. She'll send me her stuff. I'll send her mine. Um, and then there's a brand new poetry group that I'm going to invite you to. Okay. Actually, exactly. I'm going to do it right now. Um, yeah, I mean, it's on Discord. Are you cool with Discord? Yeah,
1: I love Discord. Yeah.
0: Okay. While we're on the uh, topic. I'm, I'm old. I'm old. And so Discord no. took me a second to like, understand, but
1: while you're, um, <laughs> while you're sending me that, can I read you a poem that relates to romance?
0: Yes. Yes. It, yes. It is not Always. one of mine.
1: Please. It is not one of mine, but it is one of my all-time favorite poems. It is by, I'm butchering this name, Keat J. Kuiper's. I read it in a poetry collection that I had on hand last year that I just kind of like randomly brought camping with me. Uh, And I read it, you talk about things finding you when you need to find them. It found me exactly when I needed it. Uh,
0: Say that name again. Say that name again. Keat Keat J. Kuiper's.
1: K-E-E-T-J-E-K-U-I-P-E-R-S. The poem's called We Drive Home from the Lake, Sand in Our Shoes, and here it is. The dart of fish faint at our ankles, each shuttered barbecue shack a kudzu flash. In my side mirror, pleasure has become the itch of a mosquito bite between my shoulders and your rough thumb on my thigh. A tickle gentle as turtles bobbing in sea-dew oil slick and cellophane scraps. How many years did I suffer the loves that gave too much freedom and not enough tenderness? Let me be like the man we saw outside of Nadastolga, hands cuffed behind his back, cigarette in his mouth, and you be the sheriff, leaning in close, cupping the sweet flame to my waiting face." Ooh. that is the sexiest romantic poem that I've ever read because especially last year I was in this practice of trying to deconstruct my cynicism and with that came a practice of trying to deconstruct my desperate need of individuality uh, and this gets at Ooh. another concept of when I meet people in the wild It's especially as a young person <laughs> when I see people who don't show emotions and who kind of like hide their emotionality i am want to view that as maturity but that's not maturity (laughs) it's not Mm. and so like deconstructing that concept of emotion like lack of emotionality is maturity deconstructing the concept of individuality is inherently good and like rigid individual self-sufficiency is good and deconstructing the idea that like interdependency is bad codependency is bad but depending on other people's positive that poem is so fear like fearlessly dependent and wanting a level of dependency that is healthy but also like erotic and new and contrary to this very like neoliberal idea of like we're individualists we're capitalists we work we're self-sufficient and that's good it's no it's violent it's isolated (laughs)
0: yeah oh okay fuck all right hold on i'm gonna pull from the book that i'm reading Uh, oh wait didn't you have Were not we talking about a question you
1: were going to go on to you'd ask me
0: a question you asked me a question hold on in your local poetry scene oh um i don't i would like to um i am not able to uh, as much as I would like to be, like, in the local shit and actually talk to other just, people about not anything, not yeah, it's just, yeah, not yet. That's crushing. Yeah. So that's why I made this. This.
1: What a brilliant response. Um, what a brilliant way <laughs> to handle that. And not only that, like, this ripples way way further than your local poetry scene, because I live on the yeah. west fucking coast, and I... This has been the only thing I've thought about for, like, the entire week. I've been very stressed, I've been very joyed, I've been very excited, and this is, like, the most meaningful conversation I've had in years. And I don't mean that... I don't mean that in, like, a flattering way. I mean, as somebody who's had the, like, very kind of isolated No, I'm... I have, this is... I, I'm in a way glad that you've had to cope this way just because it's it's rippled on me in a, in, in a way that I am incapable of giving thanks for. Words are completely futile devices at expressing that. So, thank you.
0: I'm so touched. Um... <laughs> shut up no i I can lighten the story Uh, by telling you you the
1: story of my own local poetry experience if you need levity
0: (laughs) do it but um before before you do that just because i i want to hear it not not because you want to deflect but because i want to hear the story but um i i will respond in kind in that um doing this podcast and like, I'm like cold asking people like 95% yeah. of the time whether or not they want to talk to me. Um, but it's been... I... I'm so deeply thankful to the people who want to be on, who are interested, who have wanted to talk to me. Um, like, I, I, I also don't have... <laughs> words to express the gratitude like i don't um i just try to do it in action every everything you share will be shared up on the fucking thing i'm gonna i will i will do everything i can and um yeah it's been um it's been incredible and my world is so much larger because of you And because of everyone else, it's literally I have I have I have compared my living situation to living inside a coffin multiple yeah. times. So, y'all let me be alive. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, uh, I mean that. Yeah,
1: I I think that it would mean a lot for anybody. And that I would be glad of its effect on anybody, but I do also want to say that with you specifically, in what little I know of you through our, like, what, hour and a half thus far conversation, and also, Mm, like, what few episodes I managed to consume in this week of stress. I mean, I (laughs) cold-assed you. I did not listen to the podcast before I asked. I just was like, I don't know, I I should probably do the thing of talk about my work, because I have friends that are in the, like, art scene, and they're like, always promote yourself, and I'm like, that feels gross. But like your it does your But I'm so glad you did specific like one just your voice I, I that's what I wanted to lead with and I didn't get the chance but you're you're you have such a I have never heard a voice on recording or in person that I find so immediately soothing and comforting and I don't know like what that is or like the, you know probably not worth assigning too much meaning to but I I your voice specifically is one of the most like, warm and welcoming and and joyous things that I've ever heard and I'm a musician my entire thing is sound and your voice is like like indescribable the boon and buoy in my life now Uh, but also your personality how you how you start conversations how you engage your conversational partners is uh, undeniable and like inescapable like I think part of my fear of coming on here was not just that like Oh, I have to talk about myself, but also like I have to talk to this person who's really good at talking to other people and really good at like being investigative and and curious and and promoting joy and promoting levity and and humor, but also like not shying away from reverence and seriousness. I think that you have a uniquely primed personality for this position that you're in and I wouldn't want anybody else. I wouldn't trust most people I know to make this kind of space. So, anyways not to like belabor the uh you know positive good tidings or whatever but
0: i legitimately don't know how to respond to that um uh, you've broken my brain you say you're welcome my brain
1: say you are welcome you're
0: welcome you're welcome thank you you're welcome thank you and you're welcome, and multiple times. And you know what? Um, <laughs> uh, ah, you've broken me, Benji. You've broken Would you me. Be-
1: what? Would you believe it if people in my personal uh, life have told me I'm too heart
0: forward? <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though? Don't um, don't stop that. <clears throat> that is not a quality that. Yeah, there needs to be more of that. You, you, do. Oh, see, I, you've stolen all my words from me. I'm going to hide under my desk and that's where I'm going to do the podcast. Well, for the rest of the night under my desk. But no, I mean,
1: I think that a lot of people crave that emotionality and a lot of people. I mean, I, they do. If you've no, I, I don't know. Again, I don't know if people read my poetry. So much of it is about. And, and so much of what drives me to write is me observing what I view as emotional cowardice in other people. And especially as being a victim of trauma, I feel like a lot of what influences that trauma is not the the, the power dynamics or, or gender or all of these typical things that people write about. It's about people being right. afraid of their own emotionality and to feel safe yeah. without letting themselves confront their own emotionality. They have to act in these weird fucking ways um And that's, that's like why that—that's why that poem by that unspeakable author <laughs> means so much yes, to me. Yes, it, yes, it doesn't shy away from emotionality, and I think that most people, and especially in our society—a really rigid, neoliberal, individualistic, capitalistic society—it creates yep. this like desert for honest emotionality and. We're all scared. I mean, I'm scared when people compliment my work. You're scared when people compliment your yeah. work. And God yeah. forbid they don't just compliment your work, but they compliment your fucking heart. That's scary. Right. But why is that scary? Is it scary because, like, XYZ, like, it's inherently gross, or it's manipulative, or it's love-bombing? Which is Okay, like well, I mean... Or is it scary oh, because it's getting yes. at the heart of what you fucking desire? I think about this a lot in my sexual yes. life, where, like, as somebody who generally plays a servicing or submissive role in sex, mm. like, do I do that because I like servicing other people, or do I do it as a way to sublimate my own desires? Because my yes. own desires are scary. It's really easy to talk about yes. what other people want,
0: that is also a question that i've had to butt up against but um i don't i can only speak from my own experience as far as uh you know why i find that uncomfortable uh it i mean uh, sure i'll just say it but um it, it's not something that i've ever been forced with i'm i'm not i'm not somebody who's been noticed in the past um and when things have been noticed that you're noticing was negative i imagine yes yeah yes exactly and so not um, to speak for you being just, seen like, yeah no 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 ma- think if you're food. wrong i tell you <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 like i i'd tell you if you were wrong um just like i hope that you would tell me that if i'm completely off base and to shut the fuck up um Oh, see, I was going to bring up a fucking quote. Fucking... All right, hold on. This fucking book is filled with all of my underlines and notes in the fucking mm-hmm. margins. Um, love a well-loved book. This is... Thank you. Thank you. I was working on a small poem that was going to talk back to... Um, no, but mostly to myself. Mostly to myself. I used to be the type of person who was... You know, never, never write in the book. Don't crack the spine. Don't uh, dog ear the page. Oh, I Don't. can already
1: see where that would go in a poem. That's darling. That is an excellent concept. Thank you. That is rich. Please explore that. Please do that.
0: <laughs> Please write that right, fucking I poem. I need it now. I'll continue it. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll I'll continue it. I'll, I'll circle back to it. Um, but now, now I do it whenever the fuck I want. Um, but uh, I hope, I hope that people, if... This whole concept of so I'm old,
1: ish. I mean, you're old, middle, at risk. You're I, less than middle, school, uh, right? But yeah,
0: yeah, older. I used to have a profile thing that says um, like older, uh, older than some, younger than others, or some sort of bullshit. But uh, <laughs> well, profile thing? Do you mean Grinder Instagram? <laughs> uh, that that was Instagram on Grinder. On Grinder, it's still oh, but the outsiders. You need to read or watch. The outsiders. Now, if you watch The Outsiders, it'll be particularly fun because you've got some very, um, very beautiful people in this movie. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, very young Patrick Swayze. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yes, very young Swayze. Mm hmm. Lots of sleeveless t shirts.
1: Love that. Mm hmm.
0: Um, and, and see, I was forced to read the book. I say forced because at that age, I, you know, it was just whatever the fucking people were pushing at you in school. Right. But I lived in, I, I was, um, raised and whatnot in Oklahoma. And, um, I apologize. And thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Necessary. Um, the hidden book, the outsiders was like, because she's in Oklahoma, because the author is, is based in Oklahoma and it was written in Oklahoma. Uh, we all had to read about the fucking outsiders we had to read about the greasers and the sochers and um I didn't give a shit honestly (laughs) Uh, but but um as an adult I rewatched it (laughs) (laughs) there's no hand jive there's no hand jive (laughs) but there is murder so don't you love it um but it is network. a really good
1: there's no hand jive but
0: no hand jive but there is murder i actually think my oh uh, like if i put out of i've got a list of like chat book possible titles if i ever yeah. put together a fucking chat book, yeah and one of them is um nobody's fault but mine oh i because i can't not i hate that you hate that unless why a
1: led zeppelin reference yeah but unless you subvert it to be something very like positive like the joy, mm, you know. It, it might
0: be. It, I it, don't know. It can't See, be self-destructive
1: okay. and self-effacing for the sake of it.
0: Have you thought about putting together some sort of collection or chapbook or anything like oh, of that? Of course. Yeah, I think about it a lot. Well, especially because one of my. Well, what's what's your idea behind it? Because I, I have. I told you about the mixtape idea, and, yeah. and there's there's a haiku project that I have planned on the horizon that I have to read more haiku to like really do correctly. Yeah. But what do you think about what are what's your parameters for a collection what's your concept while i'm looking at this quote well i mean i i just don't know
1: um i i haven't thought about it too hard with poetry i i i've been thinking about what i'm gonna do for my next like local reading um and one of the practices that i have is writing a poem and then rewriting it um like line by line writing it again once my perspective has changed so, like, I have, mm, like... How do you mean? Well, okay, so the first time... Like, how I would, do you mean, like, writing it again? Well, so the first time I ever did it was with... Uh, there was two poems that I wrote pretty much at the same time, but I had this idea of, like, writing a letter to God. So I have one poem called A Letter to God. And then I, I have a poem called A letter. Are you
0: there, God? Well, it's I, me, Margaret. Yeah,
1: well, no, it's about that cheesy. Uh, but I had another Judy poem. Judy is important, though. <laughs>
0: No one no one can discount the importance of Judy Bloom. (laughs) Integral. Actually she's a really awesome person. Really? Yeah, Judy Bloom is fantastic. You should look her up. Do a Google. Judy Bloom is awesome as a human being and an author. I've
1: never dug into her. I've never done the deep dive.
0: Do some dig. Go to Wikipedia. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Well,
1: no, I have another poem that I wrote the same day of like a letter to Benjamin, and it's like God's response, but it's line by line. It's like the same amount of lines, it's the same structure, just like certain variable were changed.
0: Oh, that's cool. So it's it's literally a response poem. Fuck yeah. I love
1: that. Well, and I've done it a couple more times with poems. I mean, I recently went through a pretty nasty breakup. It was the breakup with the ex who like I had all these poetry practices with. So I have a lot of right. love, I have a lot of love poems. And I while mm-hmm. the breakup was happening, I was going through and I was rewriting all of these love poems again line by line just like changing certain words or certain sentences where it seemed soft fit of like How do I feel about it in the in the retrospect and how can I like redo that? If I was to do a chat book, it would probably be on that concept of like the perspective change and like rewrites of all of these. So like self-referencing. That's really interesting. That's interesting. The one longer form writing that I've ever done. uh, It is not public and it will not be public. Uh, I've shared it with a couple of friends. It was briefly public, but I've changed my mind. Uh, I kept a ju- I, I kept a journal when I was... I, I was actually, like, last year, it was when I was getting out of that the second of the two really abusive relationships I was in. Um, yeah. I was hospitalized. I was, like, put into inpatient psychiatric care. Uh, and I kept a journal while I was in there. And I just kind of wrote everything that came into my mind uh, in a desperate attempt to sort of, like, narrativize my life. And huh. eventually I was moved from the, like very, like, high-security wing to the very low-security wing. And there, they gave us felt pens, which was, like, on high. For somebody who generally writes in pen, like, having to write in pencil sucked. And so what I did when they gave me the pen, finally, is I rewrote the entire old journal so that I had a copy that was in pen, and thus, like, if it got wet, it wouldn't be ruined. Right. When I did that, I... Obviously, I was transferred to a different security wing because I was doing better. And then I started going through and I started annotating my own journal where it was like I would take a snippet from this journal and then I would talk about why I wrote it that way or like how do I reconceptualize it now? And so now yeah. I have a Google Doc and a few other people have access to it. Uh, it briefly lived on Substack for a while in a like linked <laughs> format. Uh, it's very long, it's very sad, and I reread it today, and it's it's personal to the point of incomprehensibility to outside audiences, but it's just, like, snippets from what I call in the thing, like, the quote-unquote base text, like, the original sad sack journal of my psych ward, and then my own writing about my own writing, <laughs> like, my own journal yeah. about my own journal. Um. So I imagine if I did a chapbook of poetry, it would be sort of like that concept of, like going back and redigging through my own work and how I narrativize my own life and my own self-concept through.
0: That is so cool. I have nothing that <laughs> thought out or uh, creative at all. Uh, <laughs> no, I fucking love that. Um, mine mine are all, like, themes for the most part. Like, um, the haiku one is, uh, I want, and this came to me like there was a big storm several months, possibly even last year. I'd have to double check my notes when I first made the idea, but, um, that, uh, all the lights had, it, it crashed everybody's lights and, um, all you could hear was just the stillness of the house and thunder. And it made me, and every, you know, of course, every once in a while there'd be a flash of lightning. And it made me wonder, uh, like, with nobody connected, all the internets are down, all the electricity is down, what, hap- what would happen right now if aliens invaded right this second? Okay. And, it, and it was just there was a stillness to it and a beauty to it that made me want to write it from like a Buddhist monk's perspective Mm -hmm. and from the story, the story of the invasion from his perspective through haiku and whatever you could pull out of, of that, um, that invasion concept. Um, yeah. I I did have an
1: idea recently of, a, a new poetry practice that I'm afraid to adopt because of how much disrespect the course. But because I was listening to your podcast, I had actually while listening to this podcast of like, <laughs> I think it was your, I think it was last week's guest, but it was like somebody mentions like we always attribute poetry, and you've mentioned this earlier today of like, yeah,
0: yeah, we yeah, yeah, always
1: attribute yeah, poetry to being like very from the soul of the reader and like that or from the soul of the right. writer, and that's not always true. What right? Like, and this also goes back to like a thing i mentioned before but like what if i wrote a bunch of poems from other people's perspective that i sort of wish they'd written about me or like myself from the outside like writing poems about myself but like love poems or rage poems or like like attacking the self from an outside perspective especially if that outside perspective is like a particular character in your life
0: that's really cool right? and i'm gonna oh I mean, not to, not to my uh, okay
1: but like i think that's a thing no I that's a
0: really cool idea that would make together. a great we collection
1: both, we should both Ooh. hold each other to it and start writing poems about ourselves <laughs>
0: I don't know if I can meet that challenge. Um. That totally <laughs> I mean,
1: honestly, that's like right. one of the biggest things I'm lamenting about this breakup is not missing the person, but missing having somebody to hold me accountable for writing poetry.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. So we can start like talking on Google Docs if you want and <laughs> join that. um Join that like poetry group that I just it's only right now. It's just um it's like me and two other people and it's uh i've been considering making one for the podcast as a community sort of thing but i haven't really solidified the format or look or anything and it's one more thing that i'm i'm thinking about it y'all give me give me a goddamn minute you're very busy. I am very busy. Uh, I'm trying. I'm trying. We can all talk and share and compare. We share music. We share each other's... Uh, we share poetry. We give opinions, ideas. Um, it's gotten a little spicy in the general chat. I'm not going to lie. Uh, spicy in a way. <laughs> we, well, we've mentioned a lot of the, um, the fiction that we read. And we are... <laughs> we are enjoyers of fan fiction of That's a particular I kind the
1: writer the first like straight like just like language <laughs> thing i ever wrote was like really embarrassing fan fiction
0: what was your ship title this
1: is so niche and embarrassing i doubt that you'll even know what it is try me does the word Mavin mean anything to you Mavin. <sighs> do you know like rooster teeth <laughs> Rooster <laughs> Teeth. It's Rooster Teeth. Oh my god. I cut my teeth, rooster on teeth. Social Justice oh. Warrior Tumblr writing Michael Gavin Van <laughs> or like Jeff Ryan, which is even worse. Uh, especially cuz Ryan <gasps> is now proper canceled for actually being a huge scumbag. Uh, okay. We I also about? totally don't mind spicy. I mean, with the story I was
0: Oh about, yeah, but we were uh we were we were we were trading <laughs> We were trading our very, very enjoyable uh, niche fan fiction. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's a particular one that I referred to as "slapped happy and married." So love that,
1: love that. <laughs> I mean, the, the the story I was going to tell about my local poetry scene is um, actually spicy as well uh in a really oh give it then well so i've never had luck with like local poetry scenes uh i only ever tried when i lived in eugene i lived in eugene for a year and it was last year and it was like i was Mm. a new poet uh and i went to what i would easily describe as the most offensive and worst poetry night i've ever seen it was the worst open mic i've (sighs) ever been to and as somebody who's been to a lot of open mics as a musician and seen a lot of shit like It was uniquely bad, this one, and they've actually started charging a cover, which I find really offensive, (laughs) uh, because it's just, like, really bad.
0: Wow. All right. Uh, Okay. So I I had a
1: really bad, like, as an audience member, I had a really bad time. uh, And then I I finally, (laughs) at the end of the night, they opened it up to, like, we have more time if anybody else wants to come read. I went up and I read... It was, a, it was at a queer bar. It was at a specific, like, the gay bar in Eugene. So I thought, oh, I should read this very overt poem that I have about, like, gay sex that, like, will totally yeah. land. Audience was flat. It Audience bombed. did not know oh! how to think of it. They just kind of, like, stared blankly. Some people, like, politely clapped. But, like, it was clear that nobody understood it, even though it is, like, my most overt poem. So a year passes and I move back to Corvallis where I am now. And somebody recommends to me, oh hey, like this local coffee shop does this poetry night. You should go. I go there and I know kind of like what my like quote unquote best poems are. So I'm like, oh, I'll read these two. And I'm like shit, I don't know what else I'm going to read. I have time for three. The most recent poem that I had written at that time, this was a couple of weeks ago, it was a poem that, again, very obviously, a very erotic poem, like fruit as metaphor for oral poem. Ah! <laughs> like, very over so I did a I I did a I, oh, continue, but oh. I also did a fruit haiku. So I go up it, and mm. I I read three poems, and the first is like maybe my most traumatized and most bleak. It is about Thanksgiving. <laughs> I can I, I can read it if you need it. It's so it's,
0: it is of my course best. I need it. Okay,
1: I, here I'll it. of course the, I need it. I will do, do it. The, I'll just do the set for you as I did it at Poetry Night. And when I end with the very erotic poem, I will tell you the story that goes along with that. I have to now dig through my, like, endless list of poems to find the ones I read. Okay. Okay. So I I preface the crowd. Keep in mind, this is the second time I've ever read poetry. (laughs) It is to a very small and very intimate group of people in a very tight space. And it is also very clear that most of these people know each other very well, and I am like the <sighs> one new person. So I, so I start with, I, I like start with a crowd work, and I'm like, hey, I'm gonna start with my bleakest, and I'm gonna end on a high note, like we're gonna end on a positive note, so I don't totally drag you right. down. Uh, Because, like, a lot of the poets before me were, like, funny. (laughs) Like, they weren't doing, like, poetry. And so I was like, oh, God, I'm going to kill the mood. Here's what I think is generally probably my most, uh, like, I guess I'd say agreeable poem. I feel like it's one of my most... I've been called obtuse or impenetrable or, like, hard to understand. I feel like this one's pretty on the nose. Uh, Cornucopia. At the table, I have set a place for them... Not some, but all of them. I sit politely, folded under white napkin, hidden away, elbows off the table, choking down every fattening, sick-making calorie until... I am thankful for the dead, the foul. I am thankful for the stuffings. I am thankful for this coagulated, blood-red syrup dripping off my mouth, sticky on your hand. I am thankful for the violence that begets our very metric of gratitude. The violence that serves as the electron shared between my clasped hands and yours. The violence that ensures that year after year after year after year, there will always be more. Thanks. Amen. So I started with that one, which like people did seem to like it was the first time that I had ever watched an audience react to a poem after obviously getting it right yeah. That was yeah
0: yeah 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 uniquely
1: positive for me uh and that one that feeling was also Im- immediately nullified <laughs> because the second poem that i read uh does another thing i talked about earlier of like the moral gray area and like do you clinicalize a thing do you analyze a thing or do you not right the second poem right. I read very much analyzes a thing, uh, especially in, like, gay culture. Uh, it's called Two Men on the Bus. His knees tucked in, legs slightly spread, video game light reflects in his glasses, obscuring his smiling like the lucky, though lesser, of the gay archetypes. Deceptively young-looking, yet criminally overaged, that smile <laughs> as holding a torch for the youth we're beaten out of his childlike grinning ignorant serendipity juxtaposed by you though greater your bare marked face reflecting precocious light proudly knowingly observing it you so elegantly mature perhaps too criminally overaged yet radiantly wise through your clear appreciation if you are his lover i envy him if you are his father i envy him and i read that one and like people didn't know whether to laugh or be sad or like, how to engage with it like at all people had very little idea like i don't think a lot of people get I... just cuz i feel like the daddy thing is such a specific league. yeah people don't always know i think how deep that runs for like gay men
0: <laughs> right in their heart they all oh. so <laughs> like how seriously how seriously, how intently are they supposed to yeah. absorb that? Yeah. So the funniest audience reaction comes The out. answer is up to you. <laughs>
1: well, no, that's, that's also the joy of poetry to me, though, right? It's like, yes, you mean yes. one thing to me and a completely different thing to another person, and both are valid. Uh, yes. A lot of the music I love, I don't love for the same reason the author loved it. But... Um, but anyways, the, my funniest audience interaction story, again, my second time reading poetry, and I have all these, like, fucking takeaways from it. Um,
0: <laughs> You're not a poet. No, yeah. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> well, so I read this one, which was my, like, lighthearted note to end on. It's called. This is actually right. a reference to my favorite band, Animal Collective, uh, by, like, one of the early ah. like, music references in my poetry. Uh, it's called The Fruit Store's Colors Were So Bright. Uh, Oh, to walk the aisle, see it plain, decide it's mine and take it. Feel it give under my gentle grasp and intimate a week. When nature lends the gift of radiance, pear blossoms beg of you their scent. To breathe in cool air only afforded by our modern architecture. Taste the fruit afforded by the men who lend us taste but cannot speak. Press down firm on purple skin and watch it breathe in pump plump response. I want to eat even its pit, to feel my throat anoint the grit, to beckon God, thank Mother Nature, break its skin, and lend your tongue ephemeral loss. I am grateful for the gift of a new season, that the taste of plums can still render me weak. So... I read that poem oh, and like the audience clapped and I, I really
0: like that one too.
1: Thank you. I so I like the audience <laughs> clapped, I walked off stage. I was sweating fucking buckets. I was so nervous. My second time ever reading and now the audience is actually listening. They're not a bunch of like drunk people at a gay bar. It's like a coffee <laughs> shop and they're like, "Oh god." Uh, there's like a middle-aged, probably like 50-60 year old woman who is like slated to read next and we we cross each other as I'm walking off the stage and she like she taps my shoulder and she kind of pulls me away she's like th- she does this like very like you know clutching your pearls while extending your that like very vulnerable gesture right she, right right she right says, right. i just want you to know that last poem was luscious no she well no right well no so what happens is she stops me and she she's like she pulls me when she's like this poem's luscious whatever that is such a funny word for me to use so i sit down Lush. and like on my own judgment i'm like I wonder if she knew that poem was very obviously about oral or if she just thinks I really like the taste of fruit. The th- mm. and and I sit thinking about that question kind of like chuckling to myself of like what a funny quandary to find <laughs> myself in. The first poem she reads is also a poem about oral using the exact same metaphor, <laughs> like fruit. <as>
0: oh, <laughs> all right. So I was like, cool. She, she, do. she gets
1: it. Nice to meet him another munch it. in the poetry. Hockey. I
0: fucking love that. <laughs> all right. So here is my sexy fruit haiku. Yes.
1: Yes. My
0: favorite genre of poems. Oh, and it's, you know, it's it's standard and I'm never going to like, anyway. anyway, I've literally titled it sexy fruit poem. naps already you know (laughs) heavy dusky plum sun blushed full timidity no juice on my chin oh my god wait
1: read it it again I feel like I need to like
0: slower heavy dusky plum sun blushed full timidity no juice on my chin
1: god fucking damn
0: god fucking damn
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) It was funny to listen to your other guest talk about, like, eroticism in poetry and how, like, foreign that is. Mm. Because it feels like one of the few things, like, it's one of the few things that comes naturally to me in poetry. Because, especially with, like, my, like, one, being gay. Like, being queer. Like, being, like, non-binary myself. And, like, being gay or queer but like none of my fucking partners are cis men so like there's not really language in in a broader cultural sort of artistic understanding like there's not a deep lexicon there's not there's not like a deep lexicon of like how we talk about that kind of queer eroticism you know what i
0: mean right i do i do completely understand
1: but the veil Um, of poetry lets me talk about it in a really direct way that it doesn't make me feel weird like
0: if- i okay so i have a hard time with sex in poetry and i don't mean that is like I, I find it weird or, or yeah, you're not or, like a prude or anything it, anything any no 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 <laughs> not in the slightest um but the expressing of it is mm, new to me it is difficult for me Are
1: you also um, a person who experiences issues with, like, naming your own desires and such?
0: Well, that's probably the (laughs) tism, friend. But, yeah, yeah, that's a recent idea. That's a recent concept. Um, And, I mean, suppression, et cetera, et cetera, et et cetera. And we can get into that on, like, a (laughs) U.S.A. basis. But, like...
1: (laughs) What, you don't want to air your baggage out
0: for the the audience? Well, you know what? You... (laughs) I I feel like that's all I've done here. I could. You know what? That's true. I should get a lot of clicks and get a lot of views. Because, oh, Lord. You know, that's (laughs) never been my ideal. Like, that's never. No, And I can tell that it's not.
1: I can tell that's why why I'm comfortable (laughs) joking about it, because I can tell that's so far (laughs) from where your heart and head are at. I wouldn't make that joke if I thought you were some grifter.
0: Good. Uh, Good. Good. That means I'm succeeding. So... (laughs) We're <laughs> doing what this now? This a good grift. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, okay. So, for like, uh, have you read anything? Um, have you read John Compton's? No. Anything he's done? Okay, cool. Read what he's done. Specifically, read uh, his two most recent. Uh, the Secrets. God damn it. Hold on.
1: You better what be putting all of this on? in the podcast notes because I cannot. Keep, I do. I'm too drunk to keep notes. I well. do. We'll
0: see. I do. I do, though. I put a lot of work in the notes, y'all. Okay. So, uh, how we liberated the secrets we modified. Um, and I'll put John Compton's info uh, down there in the notes. But that and. And. All right. Fuck it. Anyway, the point is, the point is, is that John writes i gotta fix my chair because it's broken and it's a piece of shit okay here we go so john writes very honestly about sexual things and i find that very difficult but i think that comes a lot from my ah, suppression of it like there's one that he wrote that's beautiful that's It's literally, it's literally describing eating cum as finger food. And it is a gorgeous, vulnerable, sexy as fuck poem. And it's not something that I've ever been able to like write. There's an acceptance of desire in it that I don't know if I've had the opportunity fully to like see from that angle. I struggle with that kind of (sighs) Well, I think that that kind of writing for myself. You well, know? I like, also, I mean, yeah, yes, i
1: a hundred percent can understand where you're coming from. <laughs> uh, I can also a hundred percent understand um, how society's sort of expectations or impositions on certain certain like groups or subsects of people, um, yeah. kind of like. I think about this as an AMAB queer non-binary person. And I also think about this from the perspective of all of my partners who were raised, like, female at birth and then transitioned into, like, adult manhood. Where, like, for all of those groups, like, adult men and, like, people socialized female, your own desires kind of aren't considered holy or worth noting. (laughs) Right? Like... as as somebody socialized female your only desire should be to serve and as somebody socialized male your own desire especially in the queer world I mean somebody like Mm -hmm. socialized Mm -hmm. male and now identifying as non-binary there's this weird supposition of like well you're the enemy or your desires are this gets back at the Tworkin thing of like Mm -hmm. male sexuality is inherently violent and I think that a lot of like transmasculine people experience that where they go on T and now they have all this like massive drive and they're being socialized in their day to day lives as men once they pass or whatever, if passing's a thing you're into. And then you're and now you're working against it from both ends where you're right. you were raised to to sublimate your own desires and hide and mask your own desires. And now as an adult male, you don't really get to have desires or else you're some weird fucking pervert. The joy of writing erotic poetry for me is that I can be a weird fucking pervert, but do it in this really romantic, like, vernacular that, like, nobody can read, like, nobody, I have a poem called Taste that is, again, very obviously about sex and, like, oral, and it, it harps on this notion of, like, the fact that, like, nothing that you taste, you can, like, can I read it? (laughs) Can I just read it?
0: Of course you can. Of course you can. Thank you for letting um, me be indulgent. I like can in that, uh, dude. That's what it's about. Uh. So like, there is, uh, there's one that I'm working on that I'm working that's um, about. Th- this comes back to the quote that we're we're circling around. We haven't gotten to it yet, but it's the same. It's the same idea that, um, where the wound, where the crack. Is where yeah. light gets in, and how we're, we're it's 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 inherently erotic. And uh, there's one that I'm wanting to write that is about poetry, as basically basically cunnilingus. Yeah, basically the way it's licking out and uh, consuming the gash. Of oh self. my god! So I wait. I. <laughs> I have,
1: oh, that, oh, so I think that's a, definitely a thing you should pursue because I think it's rich. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's such a rich concept. That's such a rich concept. Oh, yeah, but yeah. We're going to read, yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is not one I'm as proud of anymore, but there's some devices in it that I oh, still think. Oh, come take. on. Uh, it's called Taste. give right. uh, the, me. The funny thing is that though this poem is very obviously, like, written about, uh, Cunnilingus, it... <laughs> I literally had the thought while eating a 7-Eleven taquito, which is very, like... <laughs> no! Because <laughs> I was like, oh, it's weird that I can taste the... Yeah, anyway, you'll get it when you read the poem. Uh, taste. There are a few words to describe it without metaphor or relation. No language that is concrete, capable of containing sentiments knowable by the organs of the skull and spine as much as those of the heart and spirit. Just associations and vague syllables, guessing at what confronts the self with what is tangibly there yet inevitably escaping the tenuous grasp of our memory, our futile efforts at archiving our reality. It is the erotic unknowable, and within it there is no just descriptor, evading morality and defying the ego, but only if you let it. No good, no bad, no pleasure, no pain, no want or unwant, really just a desperately beckoning incessant curiosity that opens your mouth to receive it again. So you may brush with the knowledge you will ever be ignorant of everything about except knowing of whether you've had enough and knowing that you open your mouth to receive it again. Which like from that, like old, like truism people say about Coca-Cola where it's like the reason it's addicting is because you can't remember what it tastes like. Is like I was thinking about that and eating food and also thinking about going down on people and I was like, oh yeah, that's the thing. It's like sense and taste. Like nice. Your sensory experience is so fleeting, and that's why it's so like addictive.
0: <laughs> um, that 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 poem wasn't uh, queer or hot at all. <laughs> nope. I am unaffected. Moving on. <laughs> no. <laughs> I have,
1: embarrassingly enough, sent somebody a, a poem on Grinder before that is about Oral trying to no. like, please put your pussy in my mouth, please, I'm
0: begging now. Good for you. Did it work? Yeah. Poem win. I would have gotten a gold star. <laughs> you know what? The big lots was yeah. closed. We didn't you make have- it to
1: the st- 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 yeah. to the office supply store
0: i'll send you a gold star mail. how about that wait no i have to earn all right it. so but but you did already earn it you oh, already okay. earned it <laughs> i mean i mean if you really want to earn it uh Ow! we can talk about that but <laughs> uh off air but so in recklessness <clears throat> the art of recklessness by dean young serious poetry podcast <laughs> um <laughs> i'm gonna read this whole fucking section the writing of sex is always a perversion a turning away from silence a violating the sacred partitions of order and community standards and reasonableness often to the creation of new communities its identity is dependent on both the recognition and revulsion It's a sad commentary that the argument supporting the explicit photos of Mapplethorpe in the big NEA brouhaha years back was based on the notion that art and titillation are incommiserate. I've only read that, so if y'all judge me on my pronunciation, you can fuck off. (laughs) are so incommiserate so that the critical sophistication sanitized itself by concentrating on composition, on the play of hues and contours, at the expense of being affected by a picture of a man putting his fist up another's ass. The primary aesthetic argument in support of the NEA and Mapplethorpe was one of detachment, deconnection, of insisting upon a glacial remove but the life-affirming perversity of art and its attendant optimism in the reformation of identity is not a result of gaps and delays primarily. It is what is in the gap, what is glimpsed in proving flood of detail, the gush in the gash, the visuals as well as the languages power to flush the nerves to the point of acquiring flesh, lubricity because of its trespass into the sacred realm the poetics of sex will always be in violation the glimpses of it affords are in a breach of ordered seamless appearance where the word surges into the thing and the mouth that forms it good fucking god right right fucking Fucking dean young
1: I'm deleting my grinding profile. And he's so right,
0: right? <laughs> there's
1: just like no sex to have after reading that sentence. Holy shit! That's
0: excellent. No, that's oh my he's God. a gorgeous writer. I don't. I I, don't, I bought his I bought his craft book before I read anything that like that he's produced. And uh, my biggest challenge in the book is that there's no like chapters. It's all like kind of like a, <laughs> a long essay so there's no like oh delineation my God. So of like so you just have yeah, to like we're talking about
1: through this. all of it wow yes. i feel like that's almost yes. like so a i better kind of way section to, by section oh, that's almost a better way to be confronted with work like that is like forced to yes. go through it all
0: it's uh. gorgeous i'm loving it i'm having the best time reading his shit he's brought up something about um that again that kind of goes within so I'm working with this like divine masculine concept, and okay. I'm um, putting a young um, yin kind of s- spin to yeah. it, which is you know, you know, basic. But it- it's my life, so I wouldn't
1: necessarily say that's basic. <laughs> if it is, if it's the natural draw, do you have to follow that natural draw no matter how like quote unquote I do. Trite It is. I do,
0: and- like I'm going to do it no matter what. So eh, there it is. So, um, but there's he brought up a version of um, talking about Prometheus and, and I keep going back to the wound that Prometheus suffers again and again, and relating that to the cost of, and and I say cost in a way that means more like balancing. I don't mean it as a, a, a punishment or, um, something that you lose. Okay. It is it is it's, it's a balancing of of energies. To have something, you have to change something. And that change is always going to have an effect. Yeah. I mean, you might lose something, you you might gain more. It yeah. there's always going to be something that shifts, right? So that idea is what I'm working with like the to bring fire, to bring song, to bring poetry. Means the opening of the wound over and over again. Come on, seventh grade mythology. Don't fail. I was gonna say. Anyway, okay. the giant bird, <laughs> the giant bird feasting on the liver of Prometheus over and over again. Yeah, is uh, very is, is is an interesting metaphor, I think, for poetry.
1: Just because of the the vulnerability, the rawness, the the bleeding nature right. of poetry. He's
0: yes, and and. And the repetition of it. So he's chained to the mountain, right? Yeah. He's chained to the mountain. And this bird of prey comes to him every day to devour his liver. And he dies every day. Yes, on, on a greater scale, it's uh it's you know the a creation myth and example of like why we have the sun that rises and the sun that sets, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But if you want to look at it as a personal narrative the exposure the ripping open the where the light gets in every time the only way to do that the only way to bring the light is to open yourself
1: well and yeah yeah and isn't it better to enjoy that and like learn learn to submit to that vulnerability and, and do it willingly than have to suffer through it every time right yeah yes I have a poem called A uh, Knife Play that actually plays with that concept. I wrote it very specifically Ooh. for a lover of mine, uh, and it plays with that idea of, d- d- again, I'm going to have to read it. I apologize. I feel...
0: Don't apologize. Never apologize. You read it. Uh, cause, just because it plays with that concept
1: so precisely of, like, how do you rip open the thing? You know, how do you... Right, right. How do you, like, justify that? Um also my like very funny question and answer list that immediately became uh superfluous (laughs) as if you're just gonna run through a list of questions with me um all right so this this poem's called knife play they tell you to leave the knife in for all its agony and damage because learning to let it exist within you could afford you the ability to survive Because drawing it out could pull too much of the essence that keeps you alive and yourself from the safe container of sheltered, unbroken skin and vessel into the raw expanse of the world at large. And you're scanning your skin for damage, pointing to scars as evidence, a rationale for the caution you hold that keeps your internal unseen. But are you stained by a single scar that's gone unhealed? Are you carrying steel as a stop for your bleed? Did the, did the blood you remember spilling really show of yourself all the arteries feeding you, every vein which relieves you, the muscles that move you, and the tendons that undergird your natural self? Or were you but struck by splinters, pitiful things that know not of pain's depth, that draw untrue, unrepresentative blood from superficial capillaries that only serve your pallor? That infect and impede you if you treat them like knives. Threatening not your ability to survive, but your ability to interact and enjoy without reminder of this ache incapable of drawing out the entheogenic nectar of self you hold so dear. I hold it dearly, too. And thus, I hold to your neck much more than a seductive, tempting threat of violence, shed, and upheaval, begging for much more than your trickle, flow, gush, flood, courting no loathsome dichotomies as within or without, infect or remove, survive, or expel, just a hand to grace it, and revere, at last, the internal within you, asking nothing of your heart but its continued beating, and, on occasion, that it do so lockstep with mine. Oh. Yeah. Well, the the metaphor that holds that poem together is this idea, right? Of like, you right. you think that the wounds that you hold, right, like the vulnerability, the getting pecked open by fucking vultures for eternity, like you think that those wounds are like life ending, terrifying things. But they're not if you stop revering in them that way, right? Like if you stopped exalting right. your own, like the fear of your own vulnerability. The vulnerability itself, like that's just a splinter. Like you pull that out and you heal it and you realize like, oh, I can just function normally now. So I think about that when I think about vulnerability a lot of like you just take the like you take the knife out, man. Don't leave it in. It's not a knife. <laughs> right and that was my whole thing with doing this podcast is like how fucking afraid i was to be vulnerable it's like well uh it's a fucking it's two hours with a nice stranger worst case scenario (laughs) it's awkward and it doesn't air best case scenario i make a new friend and get to talk about my poetry
0: well fuck yeah well i think um we're way over time should all of that Okay. Oh, I, I thought that was the wrapping up. <laughs> overtime. No! We're I mean, under I can wrap up. If, I can be no, the wrap we're up.
1: are under time, like, if my heart is speaking. I have nothing to do tomorrow. It's the weekend. So well, there you go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, I just have... Uh, well, That's why I do it on Fridays. Well, I mean, there's multiple... Re- but, yeah. <laughs> you don't need all my drama. I'm sorry. But, um... The thing is, so, I'm happy like, to take on... After he finally... <laughs> I'm happy
1: to take it on. I, uh, dude, you know how isolated uh, I am. I need friends. Shit why not get immediately to the heart of the thing that's i feel like you that's know how what a lot I... of queer friendship works is we get immediately to the heart but it of the is
0: thing. you have to talk about the th- you have to talk about the gash yeah it's the main like see elephant. how much how much do i take away in order for that to like fold back and make sense for people because it is relevant it is relevant yeah um
1: but that's a question of how vulnerable you're willing to be
0: yeah. Well, see, it's not so much the vulnerability that I'm upset with. I don't mind admitting. Well, it's also the concern all of up like, and down. Yeah. Well, he. Um. So he was kind of weird after. Like stocky. Yeah. 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 And that's um... the thing with
1: my. Like, that was a thing I dealt with for a long time is because, like, it's very cool and hip for, like, young queer people, like, when they break up. Like, nobody ever breaks up because of, like, compatibility issues right it's always got to be like somebody's <laughs> a monster right uh, so it's always got to be like narrativized and then it's got to be like not just that but yeah. publicized and like this like public smear campaign my partner went to jail the cops came and they saw the bruises and they're like okay we're taking him to jail like Holy because shit yeah but because didn't publicize everything it was very easy for him right. to run with the narrative of like oh well actually he did xyz and deserved xyz And so, like, I was doxxed. I was publicly harassed. I was stalked for years. Dude, as early as last year, like, as recent as last year, I got an anonymous email account sending me a video that was very clearly my ex-partner singing, like, scream singing in his car at four in the morning a song that I wrote about abuse. Like, it's supposed to be some sort of gotcha, right? But, like, no, you're singing about your victim... Dealing with you beating
0: him, <laughs> holy shit, my dude! Yeah, I'm gonna throw it out there, and but if you, if there again, if there's anything you want me to not mention or not connect, everything or, that I've like, said, no, again, everything that I've, I know, I know, you've come into it with with no. the idea that it's already going to be public, but well, I here's just, the thing, I don't want you. He's, this isn't to make you unsafe. No, here's like, well, here's the thing,
1: I I have created a life for myself that is somewhat untouchable like okay like I live a fairly anonymous life now that's part of why I'm not online as much as I am but like I'm trying to get online and like the thing is that like it's been long enough since that situation like I don't get accosted by him anymore it's been about a year ish since I've been like sought out stalked or whatever um and also like here's the thing worst like push comes to shove worst comes to worse somebody exposes their character to me you know what I mean like like, some, like, yeah. like getting sent a, a weird, vindictive, you know, scream-sing-at-4-in-the-morning about your own abuse to me, like, the worst thing that is going to happen is somebody's going to show their character and step out of line and then just kind of solidify right. my healing. You know, like, it's not right. like... Like, none of my resources... Like, the thing that I get into in relationships is that, like, because I'm so fucking poor and because I, like, am so isolated, it's very easy for me to get in relationships that involve a huge power dynamic. And so, like, that's why, like, my assault was possible. That's why my rape was so... uh, Not even possible. Inevitable that I was going to be chronically raped by this person. Because, like the dynamic of our relationship was such that i was just like there for free use whether or not i wanted oh fuck that was how i attained to my safety that's how i paid my fucking rent man and like in more explicit ways a younger version of me has paid my rent by fucking i mean you talk about my like experience of being groomed you know yeah, yeah yes was, like, yeah yeah so the thing yeah the thing for me now is like oh. all of that is untouchable by other people so, like, I'm fine with all of this being live. <laughs> like okay. Totally comfortable with all of it. Okay. And I cool. think that it all loops like, in in a kind of beautiful way to the idea of vulnerability and self-definition so post-trauma. So,
0: I think so, too. It's like, they'll get to
1: see where I'm at, and they'll get to see how I conceptualize this, and that's going to do nothing but put them in their fucking place. And that's a g- that's not a bad drive. I mean, spite spite and rage i'm i'm coming to learn our holier emotions than i once thought my anger and my rage oh, i keep close now i'm excited about my anger and my rage because not, i love that not only does it make good art it makes it it's directive right the reason that depression sucks so much is because it's so inwardly focused it's like a broken fucking compass it doesn't know where north is it's just like destroy yourself destroy yourself being angry is directive it says actually no yourself is fine destroy this particular fucking thing and it's never specifically about a human right it's never like destroy no this person's name it's destroy this power dynamic destroy this malfunctioning part of their personality destroy what was done to you it's directive and and I, 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 it's I'm, the
0: righteous I'm, part of self that is yes.
1: coming up to defend you and it's yes. a higher part of yourself that is not accessible through like mere introspection or mere like, like you can't logic your way into that right like that's a yes. visceral it's almost like a deus ex machina thing where it's like this is going to save you and like oh. I love my again approach. with the wound
0: being what saves you like yeah,
1: yeah man oh and it, it, no, and we talk about emotion that's fueled by fueled by emotion and not necessarily grasping at the profound. I think that if you come at it with that raw and that genuine of an emotion, it is inevitably going to be profound by its resonant quality alone. Thank you. Sorry if it seems like I'm getting uh, distant. No. I this is so much later that I'm generally awake.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? We've been talking. We've been talking for about. Well, wait, what time is it? Hold on. It's 11.30.
1: Five
0: o'clock. Ooh, so, like, okay, 10 to 11. Three and a half hours? 10 to 11. Yeah, three and... Stop doing math faster <laughs> than me. We could
1: record live. I was, well, yes. was going to say, we should definitely record again, just because we chat well. <laughs> but I feel like all your other podcasts have oh. a very polite, like, natural ending. <laughs> and this one's just going to mm. sputter out into a horny decay.
0: No. <laughs> oh, <it's>, oh. <laughs> you are... You're ruining my flow beautifully. Uh, yeah, I'm not warm at all. <laughs> so, uh, you know what? I should be a good host because it's been like, it's been a long time and I have a lot of, We're not done talking, but I'm going to wrap it up because. That's fair. That's 100% um, fair. I'm. I should.
1: We'll make sure there's more time right, later, but so, yeah, my bet is calling me.
0: But you'll come back. You'll come back. Oh, so please tell me you're going to contribute to the zine that i've asked everybody yeah. and i am must socially like pressure people to yeah. do <laughs> you're going to contribute to the zine and you're going to come back and you're going to talk to me some more please good lovely good all right tell everybody where they can find you um despite your horror of being seen where they can find you on social media
1: yeah so i'm on instagram at undercupboard like undercupboard uh and then i'm on a bandcamp uh Bock, ben B-E-N-B-O-C-K dot bandcamp.com, which is where you can buy my merchandise. I sell a hat that says this machine kills cishets on it, which I think is pretty clever. <gasps> I have, yeah, I <gasps> have merch. I have lots of I'm music. I'm going to need to get the hat. If you want to hear any of the music I mentioned in this episode, that's where to go. I would. I don't really exist anywhere else online, I don't think.
0: <laughs> well, that's all right. If you, if you happen to ever be on Twitter, I am also on Twitter. Doing ridiculous. You things. seem
1: to like Twitter more um, than Instagram, so maybe I should.
0: I well see, just to hunt I you like... down. Yes. You you should. You should hunt me down on Twitter. Um just on Twitter? No, I'm not <laughs> Uh anyway. <laughs> I'm an adult person. Okay, so <laughs> so you can follow <laughs> Damn it. Alright, Benji. I've blushed enough for one evening. Um, thank you for coming on uh, to me and to the show, and uh, <laughs> and um, uh, we'll 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 see you again. I absolutely guarantee it. Um, we'll come we on soon,
1: and we'll come life. together. Hopefully,
0: we. Oh my landa! All right, so everybody follow Benji. Uh and uh Benji, say goodnight so I can disconnect.
1: Good night everybody, thank you for listening and supporting this lovely project.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Good night. We'll see you in roughly two weeks. Good night, good night, good night.